Hey everyone, Mike here. Welcome to the Around the Crease Podcast. This is episode 47. Today is a special show because Michael Ward and I get to talk with Louisville men's head lacrosse coach, Ryan McCauley. Now we're talking to him because he reached out to me on Twitter and he was asking about players specifically from the Midwest and the Chicagoland area who may be interested in attending Louisville. And if you listen to this episode, you're going to find out a very specific reason why he's looking out of that specific area. But we wanted to have him on because we wanted to kind of give student athletes and parents a little bit more information about the options they may have when it comes to college recruiting. And that's the overarching theme of this week's episode. So for about the first 20 minutes or so, we talked with Coach McCauley. And then for the last half, uh, Michael Ward and I discuss the options of the student athlete and their parents, whether that be D1, D2, D3, MCLA, or NCLL. So let us know what you think of the show. But first, we're going to hear a quick word from the sponsor of this show that absolutely keeps the podcast running free. So enjoy everything. I'm here with uh, University of Louisville head coach Ryan McCauley. And as always, I'm here with Michael Ward, my uh, podcast co-host. Guys, welcome to the, this week's podcast. Uh, great to be here. And uh, Coach McCauley, great to have you here. Appreciate you guys having me on tonight. So, Coach McCauley, uh, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of background, you're obviously the head coach at University of Louisville right now, but you were also uh, one of the players there the, for the last four years. So why don't you give us a little bit of information on your, on your background and how you've been involved with the University of Louisville? Absolutely. Um, started my playing career here in Louisville, grew up playing the sport. Um, really you know, found a liking to it, just having a basketball background before that. Translated very well defensively playing LSM and, and uh, being able to play both sides of the ball and understanding offensively. Um, and then from there, played a year at the University of Tampa, ended up coming, uh, transferring home my sophomore year and uh, finished up from there, played sophomore on into four years at, at University of Louisville on the men's team. And, and from there, um, was able to just experience firsthand what it's like to be a student athlete and uh, really gave me a value for, for what it's like to play um, at a big school and be, you know, be playing a game on Sunday and then getting up the next morning for class. And just, it just allows me as a coach to be able to, to understand with my players and be able to do what I need to do as a coach to, to allow them to be successful on and off the field. So uh, it's been a blessing for me to be able to play and represent um, the city of Louisville where I grew up, put on the red and white, and then now being on the other side with uh, the great staff that I've brought on and be able to hopefully – you know, carry on the tradition that we've started and bring on uh, more great players to, to continue to do the, the things we've been doing these past four years. Yeah, and I don't think we could have anybody better to talk about the University of Louisville program than you because you, you uh, or went to high school in Kentucky, said you went to Trinity High School, you were an assistant coach at Louisville Mail last year. So um, this first give me a little bit of information on the Louisville program for those who may not be familiar with it. Like, what, what division do you guys play in? Uh, well, we'll start there. What division do you guys play in? So we play in the National College Cross League, known as the NCLL. Um, most of the te- there's teams all over the country that play in that league. So you'll have, you know, even though schools such as Lynchburg College have a, a Division three team, they still have club teams that mm-hmm. play at a very high level. Uh, so the beauty in it is you have some big schools like University of Louisville and the schools in our region, Xavier University, University of Kentucky. Um, big schools that have talented players that just may not have gone on and played 31, whatever the case may be. 
then you also got schools that are, you know, a little bit smaller that might have guys that played on those Division three two programs that come and play clubs. So um, the talent's all over, but that's the league we play in. But we do play MCLA team um, as well. So that's kind of a nice luxury that we're able to do in our league is play, you know, other teams and as well as NAIA schools. Yeah. So where do you guys find um, or where, where are most of your current players from? Do they come from the Kentucky area or do they come from all over? Because obviously Louisville is a, a massive school. I think you guys have, what, 20,000 or so total students? Yeah, we're, we're right around 22,000 and growing. Um, we have a lot of kids that come from the Louisville area that have been playing. But as of recent, um, we've gotten talent from Pennsylvania. Uh, we have a current player from California. We have some players from New Jersey and New York area, as well as um, um, Ohio and Virginia. So, you know, it's 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 most, I would say it's half um, in-state talent. So, you know, kids from the area within a, you did a, you know, circle around Louisville in mm-hmm. a two-hour radius. Um, and then from there, you know, the other half is, is out-of-state kids that, uh, that were able to get either a, a regional scholarship or just, you know, their academic scores alone, GPA plus their ACT or SAT, allowed them to come here. Um, and we have a couple engineering students in, in our engineering programs, very highly touted here. So that's another thing that attracts a lot of students to this area. Yeah, and it actually leads perfectly into my ne- next question. I was going to ask you, what type of student athletes would generally enjoy Louisville? We have, you know, the beauty in that's all types. I was a sports administration major, so I was working in athletics. I was doing... Um, announcing on ESPN for the women's lacrosse team. I was helping with the Cardinal Athletic Fund, getting involved with, you know, the athletic director and what they were doing there to raise money to build things such as Cardinal Stadium and, and adding on and, and building, which they did 11 years ago, the women's lacrosse field. So um, I was an intern and able to, to learn that process and how they bring in um, money for sports and able to help these student athletes be successful. Um, and then you got kids in the College of Business. Uh, you have people in the um you have people in the like i said the engineering school which is very very highly rated up there with purdue and other schools like that and then you have people that come in for for multiple reasons psychology sociology so we had a player two years ago from connecticut that came here for sociology um so it just kind of goes to show that there's over 70 fields offered at the university of louisville and we have a little bit of everything for for anybody that's interested so what kind of athletes do you guys, like, obviously I know this is your first year heading into as a head coach, but you played there for several years, so I'm sure you have a, a vision of what you want the, the program to do and the type of player you're looking for. So what kind of athletes um, are, are you, I guess, seeking? You know, it's a, it's a good question, it's, and it's kind of hard to, to answer because, you know, we're looking, we're looking for the right fit, but, they're, you know, you got to find what's best for both sides. You know, the, uh, the student athletes got to love it here and love the school first, because at the end of the day, if he, you know, is un- unable to play lacrosse anymore or stops playing lacrosse, I want him to be able to go to the University of Louisville and graduate here if that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, you know, our, we're very team oriented. Uh, we had a lot of guys in the ball that scored. It wasn't like we had one guy doing it all. So for us offensively, we like guys at the midfield that can run and play both sides. Um, guys that attack that are able to play midfield but also you know obviously do their job at attack and then um, we have a lot of guys that play defense that can run lsm and, and close d so um for us we're we like to be like a uh, a tool shed we like to be able to do it all you know what i mean we don't want to be a, a tool that's just one thing so um for us we have a lot of guys that are able to play 
you know, multiple positions. But for the most part, we're looking to, to grow our roster and continue to be a powerhouse in the Midwest. Um, we've had a lot of success in the past couple of years um, with transfers as well as incoming incoming freshmen that have really been able to step in and play right away. So for us, you know, we, uh, we like having both those options available for people. Some players go two year and then they, they want to transfer from a JUCO or they went to a, a, a smaller school and didn't like it as much and wanted a big school experience and still able to play at a high level. And that's something that we offer that a lot of schools don't offer is being able to go to an ACC school that's affordable, that offers a lot of things, being able to play both lacrosse and be a student. So, and obviously that's, Louisville that's has kind of our niche. Yeah, and Louisville obviously has a huge athletic tradition across all its sports. So you get that kind of history um, there as well. Uh, I want to go back to something you said earlier because obviously we had already talked about you're you're a Kentucky guy through and through. So what did you love about Louisville, and what has obviously kept you there after you graduated? So I grew up here. So so for me, going to the uh, the basketball camps, the football camps, and and getting to meet the athletes as a, as a kid was really cool because you're like, I want to be that one day. Um, and then when you got to come back and actually put on the uniform and represent the university and be a bigger, you know, be something bigger than yourself um, and be able to, to do something that when you look back, you know, those two conference titles won um, in 2016 and 2017, nobody can take that away from us. And being able to go, you know, to national championship weekend um, that's just something that, that we left as players for our legacy. And, and now as coaches, we're looking to bring in players and allow them to experience that for themselves. So um, there, was just a, there was just a culture change that happened. Um, you know, we, we took what we saw and what was happening. We were able to build on it, came together, and, and as a group did something, like I said, bigger than ourselves. And that's something that, as a coach, I want to, to be able to, you know, show student-athletes that are interested in coming here and, and being a part of it how special it is. And, and being able to rub shoulders with guys like, um, you know, when I was here, Lamar Jackson was walking through orientation as a freshman and I was working the lacrosse booth and got to meet him um, and just running into student athletes in my sports administration classes and just on campus and, and being, being one of those guys um, and representing our university for us is special and, and still being able to be a student as well and, and, you know, do other things that you'd like to do. So, yeah. You know, and I, I kind of want to tackle the one topic head on. I didn't put it in the, the list of questions, but I know I'm sure there's probably people listening here. As soon as you said NCLL, they're probably like, oh, you know, because they, you know, everybody has those dreams of D1. And I have my opinions on, you know, kids need to find the college first because you mentioned it before. If lacrosse goes away, they need to still enjoy the school. Like, What's the, uh, and you've touched on several things, but what's some of the stuff you talk about, like if any of those kids are kind of have that attitude to not immediately dismiss Louisville just because you're not a D1 or a D2 program? Yeah, and, and you know, my goal as a, as a high school player was to go play D1, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we just have to come to a realization that there is, it's a numbers game. You know, there's, there's so many high school cross players that want to play college and play it at, you know, all levels. And the one thing that I want to offer these players is the ability to, you know, not have to dedicate it, make it feel like you're going to lose love for the game because you're playing, you know, it's, it's a full-time job, but be able to come and play it, you know, three times a week, be able to play on the weekends and be able to enjoy those two to three days off that, that you have, you know, with, with your friends, your roommates or whoever it may be, and be able to do other things while on campus. That's kind of the luxury that we have and what we're able to offer as well as, you know, 
being an ACC school here and, and you know, these guys getting to – none of our games fall on basketball or football schedule, so they're, they're able to go see all games and, and be a part of that experience of being, you know, a villain in the student section or, or be uh, a Cardinal crazy in the, in the football section and, and go see that. But then, you know, two days later be able to play against, you know, that, maybe that same school or another school and, and be able to have other people come watch them. So that's, that's what I like to, to tell people, you know, anybody that talks to me about it or asks me, you know, what is your bell lacrosse offer that you may not get elsewhere? It's, it's that experience and, and that ability to do both. Um, Cause like I said, if it feels like a full-time job, you may not as love it as much as you did when you first came in. So right. Right. It's all about balance. Yeah. And so we initially got hooked up because you reached out to me on Twitter, and I guess you guys are – you're kind of hoping to get some maybe athletes out of the Illinois or maybe specifically the Chicago area. So what is it attractive about getting players from this area that it kind of caused that line of thought? Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this beforehand. Uh, I think the University of Louisville's admissions program is doing a great job of trying to expand uh, you know, their brand of, of not just being uh, a local college. They're trying to make it a national college. And by doing that, um, they're, they're often a reg- offering a regional scholarship of $10,000 um, to you know incoming freshmen from Cincinnati, Dallas, Texas, D.C. metro area. They just added Evansville, Indiana, as well as Indianapolis, Indiana. And they've had uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and, and Chicago, obviously being being one of them and and i just think that uh that that's for us as as coaches to be able to understand that you know we don't just have to pick a pool of players um you know just in our area not that that's not enough but being able to expand our reach and and pipeline and and hopefully get these players from chicago because um there's a lot of talent there's a lot of talent like like i said it's a numbers game trying to recruit and chicago's got a great um They've got a great, you know, tradition of being a powerhouse in the Midwest for a lot of these players going to places like, you know, Marquette recently had a kid that was that was very talented. And over the, the years of me watching college across on TVM, more players with Chicago, Illinois as their hometown. And I'm hoping that, you know, we can we can get in, more involved in the Chicago area and find those players, you know, that want to be a part of something like University of Louisville men's lacrosse and, and be something bigger than themselves and, and hopefully keep that as one of our options to grow that area of across to be part of our program. Yeah, I'm sure it's one of those things like $10,000 might be more than most athletes would get at a D1 program or D2 or something like that. So that's, they, they can't be discounted easily at all. No, yeah. It's, I mean, um, from a standpoint of, you know, these parents are, are starting to take more and more notice of, of and not just parents, the, the students themselves, of how much college costs these days. That's just an opportunity alone that has nothing to do um, with, you know, athletics. It's, it's just being in that area, being from that area and having the scores needed to, to qualify for that scholarship. It's just something you can't pass up or look past. So not only do we have, you know, all the stuff we've just recently talked about in this podcast, but on top of that, you're able to basically get in-state tuition to go to the University of Louisville, that's something being able to play lacrosse and do all the other things I've talked about and get $10,000. Like, hey, that that kind of sounds nice. I think we'll look into that. Yeah, definitely. As someone who's still paying off his student loans, that's, that's not something you can uh, dismiss quickly at all. Uh, Michael, I know you, you're you Midwest guy, so you have any, any thoughts, any questions you want to ask Ryan before we let him go? Well, I just want to say as a, uh, as a parent, 
of a uh, high school sophomore. That was the question I was wondering about was was money because I've you know played in the, my son played in the Chicagoland area, plays in Detroit now on a travel team, and plays his high school in Indiana. So we know a lot of players from all three states, um, and a lot of the parents I speak with, it is about what kind of money can you get. A lot of kids might go to a D three school they might not have wanted to go to, but you're getting a good financial package. It's nice right. to hear. Louisville saying, oh, there's $10,000. That's, again, that, that perked up my ears immediately. Um, and uh, I like if there's, there's competition. My big question is how much is the school, uh, Louisville, behind the program? I know that a lot of kids who are playing in the uh, NCLL and the MCLA, they pay to play. Uh, they have to raise funds to do it. The team has to raise funds. Um, some programs have more school backing the others i know arizona has a nice program i know ucla does a nice job um, right. so just seeing what what kind of backing do you get from or any i mean i you might not get any so what kind of backing does the school give you no michael that's a great question um so for us it is we do pay to play and the reason why we haven't gone mcla or MCLL is because i've i've kept it as, as affordable as possible you know a lot of the programs that you listed and and some that you haven't listed pay two to three thousand dollars play per season, and uh, we're looking at five hundred dollars a season for fall and spring. This fall we played five games. This spring we'll play twelve to fourteen games. So let's just say a twenty game season, and you're paying five hundred dollars play. So you know a lot of these uh, club teams, travel teams that you've talked about, that your sons on, I'm sure is maybe double that just for the summer. So we're oh, talking yeah. <laughs> full seasons worth of lacrosse at a big university and, and we're keeping it as affordable as possible and still playing at a very high level. The opportunity that we have to earn money is comes through the student government association known as SGA. And, uh, based on, you know, the club's needs and, and how they present themselves, they're able to be awarded a thousand two hundred dollars per season. Now that may not always be the case. We have gotten it in the past. We went to nationals in Maryland. We requested funds for travel and hotel and we got the thousand two hundred dollars. And we've looked to do stuff in the fall, getting youth uh, organization involvement, um, being a being a high school coach before, as well as doing youth stuff. Um, I'm looking to get, I'm I'm looking to use my platform as a way, to not only help these players that are currently here get that money, but also help involve the uh, community in this program. I don't just want it to be a University of Louisville program and the parents and players. I want it to be the whole community involved. So to answer that. It, it, we do. We are able to get money. We are able to get two thousand four hundred dollars people. Um, we are able to do fundraisers and use the Cardinal Bird logo on anything. So we do spirit wear and stuff like that to kind of help. But other than that, um, it's it's pay to play. But like I said, it, it's a lot cheaper than a lot of the options out there, and we're still finishing top ten in the country in the NCLL. So I, I, I like to think we're doing something right here. Well, that sounds good. That's I, I love I love hearing that, and I I can tell that you have passion for it. The other thing was, what facilities are you playing on? Louisville facilities is great. They let you use the logo. I think I saw a picture of your gloves, Maverick yes. Force, which were yes. they were looked great. I mean, again, as a father of a uh, sophomore, they, they like, like their swag. They <laughs> like good. They like good swag. Swag sells. I mean, right. you could ask the University of Oregon. They've got all those. Oh, players yeah. going there because of swag you know they're still playing a great program so that's great how many i know i was at an arizona um a u of a game 
uh, a year, maybe two years ago, and there were three to 5,000 people watching. It was That's a show. Awesome. It was a sh- awesome. I mean, and I've been to college games where there's 50, you know, right. D1 games. You go, it's, all, it's only parents, maybe a girlfriend or two. When I right. saw this in, in Arizona, it was, I mean, Arizona, they made it a party. But I was like, oh, who wouldn't want to play in front of this? How is it accepted? How is it um, received in Louisville? And, and, and do they try to uh, publicize it more to, to make it like an event? We have what's called the SRC, the Student Recreational Center. And it's, uh, don't quote me on this, it's under 10 years old. So let's say six years old. I, I'm pretty sure it's going on seven. So we're talking about three-story facility with six basketball courts, full gym area, several treadmills, um, ellipticals, full workout machines. They just put in two big squat rack machines in the middle, racquetball court, an indoor Mac court that we use for indoor lacrosse, box lacrosse type stuff, as well as conditioning when it's uh, snow on the turf. And then we have a turf field right next to it in the heart of campus. So you're talking Kurz Hall. Community Park, Louisville Hall, uh, Betty Johnson, where most of the athletes, but you do have a handful. And then the apartment complexes are literally a railroad tracks away from our field. So, you, so the main two apartment complexes plus four of the main dorm are a walk across the street or a walk across a railroad tracks to get there. And by railroad tracks, they have a bridge open. So, I mean, mm-hmm. so we're talking five-minute walk from all these places to get to your practice facility. And then if you literally walk out of the gates of the practice and take about 50 steps you're at your recreational center and it's beautiful i'll send you guys pictures after the podcast but it is a beautiful facility that they've done a very nice job with um and and it allows us to do indoor when it's cold and when there's no snow on the turf we're able to get out there and and you know go at it and get everything we need to done on a turf field so to, to say that they've done what they've needed to support us um we have the facilities and then our spring games we play on the uh on the on the grass fields probably five minutes here um, from the student recreational center with full bleachers and everything a camera uh well they have a band practice set up but you can you have a bird's eye camera view as well for filming so we've been taken care of uh they do a good job supporting us they put out all our home games on the uh on the cardinal news so that everybody you know that sees it sees when we play and we, we also obviously promote with twitter and instagram and everything but it's half self-promotion and then i think the other half you know the university does a great job supporting us and making sure that that we have everything we need to be successful oh that's great to hear that sounds great and coach i'll make sure to actually include those photos for everyone to see they'll be on laxrecords.com so you know we won't keep them selfishly for ourselves you meant you mentioned social i know you uh, we're going to let you go here so get on with your day but before we do, Carol, you mentioned Twitter and Instagram. How will people find you guys and check out a little bit more of the program? Yeah, absolutely. And we're also on YouTube. Um, one thing I'm proud of that we did this off, we actually had our first commercial um, that we did. Uh, we had, you know, over, I'd say, 8,000 views collectively with Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, as well as our YouTube channel. So we were really excited about that. And to, to talk about the swag, you know, we upgraded to Adidas jerseys, and I can send you guys a picture of that. Uh, we also ordered Cascade uh, S helmets with the red chrome face mask, white helmets, red siding, and then the Maverick 4 gloves that he talked about. And that's not anything I lead with. I guess I would finish with it because he brought it up. And, <laughs> and it is a part of it. It is a part of the game. Yeah. You, know, you look good, you play good. So so we take pride in everything we do. And, and you know, we want to have the best possible facilities, the best possible 
training the best possible uniforms, the best coaching staff to, to allow these guys when they come in, they know that, you know, what we're saying is true and, and we're holding up our end of the bargain. And, and when they go out there and get it done, they've held up there. So it's worked in the, the past four years. We've had two conference titles, gone to nationals and, uh, you know, been in the top 10, like I said, um, had two All-Americans, one goalie, second team All-American face-off. And uh, the NCLL just kind of started tracking that. So within the first year of them doing that, we've had two All-Americans. And and uh, our attackman, 2016, currently holds the record for 12 goals in the conference title game. Wow. So there's, there's been some cool stuff happening here, and, and it's only going to continue um, with the support of this community. I mean, it's a huge sports city, a lot to do outside of it, a lot of stuff going on downtown. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll send you guys our website as well so they can kind of look at what we're all about and see more of a visual representation. But our, our Instagram account is UofL underscore lacrosse. And our Twitter account is UL underscore lacrosse. And then um, our YouTube channel is Louisville lacrosse. And there is also the, the women's team. So just make sure when you click on that, you, you see you know, men's, men's videos playing, otherwise <laughs> you'll be on the wrong spot. Right. But, uh, we also have a Facebook page. I think it's, I think it's Louisville men's across. It may be U of L men's across, but it's one of those options. And you can keep us, you like it and keep up with us that way. I post on there every week and kind of just update the, the parents, players and, and people following us, you know, how the game went, how everything's going and do some motivational posts and pictures. And people seem to like that and the videos we post too. So we're looking to do some live interviews this year on the on the Instagram and have some fun with it. So the so the people following us on Instagram, I think we're at over nine thousand followers, we're trying to get those people some more more faces of the of the players so they can kind of get a feel for, you know, what these guys are like under the helmet. All right, coach. And I'll make sure I uh, provide links to all your, your social channels and to YouTube and everything um, on the on the website too. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was fantastic getting a chance to learn. A little bit more about the the Louisville program, and good luck this season. I can tell you're passionate about it. Obviously, we've talked to your Kentucky guy through and through, so I'm sure you're excited to get your first season as a head coach started and under your belt. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on, and and hope we can do this again sometime soon. That'd be great. Well, that was uh, great, actually. That was. He was was very passionate. Yeah, and that's, like, whenever he reached out to me on Twitter, it was one of those things that was like, this is someone who's obviously – motivated we talked a little bit before i asked about coming on to the podcast and i can tell he's just one of those guys like he has a vision obviously seeing his background where he just graduated um he graduated from louisville over the summer and now he's taken over the lacrosse program and obviously he was president of the program before so he was highly involved even when he was a student so it's nice to see someone carrying that on and that's someone you can tell like they're very passionate about the game and the college because i'm sure he probably could have gone somewhere else and done something else and he's sticking around with the program to do that and i thought that was fantastic it is and i and i will say something that's about the nclL and the mcla uh some some kids give it a bad rap or don't even think about it where i'm the other way like, like i've been out to the west coast and watch mcla games mm-hmm. i've i've seen kids who play on ucla usc uh utah but now they're division one um, uh, and the Arizona teams, they were all division one. There was a bunch of division one recruits. There were a lot of, them, um, that there were West coast stars kids. Mm-hmm. Now, a few of the kids that I know got, went out East and played division one. 
and they only liked they only stayed for a year uh a maybe the weather or um the money so i mean what are they getting to go play at you know if you're going to penn state you're getting twelve thousand dollars or you're still paying 50 <laughs> right or you can go home and go to arizona for fifteen thousand and play still play lacrosse so the, a lot of the kids out west are like wait it's not worth it to go east as much as staying at home getting a cheaper education at a great school and still i mean playing in front of thousands of fans yeah i looked at it, i was like this why wouldn't you do this so i think this is another uh area again talking as a parent talking with my child and saying hey if you wanted to play at the next level don't scoff at any of this type of thing have fun lacrosse is never going to be a real professional career like a football player or basketball player it's going to be fun it's going to be over you can play as a you know in a beer league when you're older but enjoy the game enjoy the college experience uh don't let it think like oh i have to do this i mean i tell i tell my son all the time if you don't want to play don't play if you want to play work your hardest whatever you have to do there's a level for anyone i think to go to college and play it in college and it gives you another thing to do in college if you're playing in and on that team or you're playing it i know indiana went to the for the mcla i know university of indiana went to the playoffs last year in utah so there's kids who are who are d3 players who got d3 offers who instead went to indiana and played in the mcla so it's just another option for kids which i think anytime you get more options the better the better for you yeah and that actually brings us basically you i think you might have covered everything but i'm sure we'll have more to say (laughs) But we wanted to talk about, you know, kind of recruiting and options. Obviously, you know, National Signing Day just, uh, I guess we had the early signing period in the fall. This past, I guess we'll have National Signing Day coming up here. Um, not too, too too far off in the distance. But, you know, obviously with college season getting ready to start, I'm sure everybody starts chomping at the bit a little bit. And obviously with the recruiting landscape having changed a little bit with the no contact rules, starting to wonder, and I, I guess we won't notice until – uh, a little bit of time has passed since with the no contact because obviously we got kids that were probably D1 talent, just maybe not as a freshman when a lot of these kids were committing, freshmen and sophomores. But I think the options uh, for kids to look at as to where they're going to go to school, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Coach McCauley on because it perf- you made it perf- the perfect point is kids may dismiss them because they're not a D1, D2, or D3 school, but it's the University of Louisville. They have a very rich history in athletics. So if you love lacrosse and you can go there, like you can absorb the rest of a athletic history and enjoy what a university like the University of Louisville has. And UCLA, same thing. University of Arizona, like these are major conference programs. They may not be in lacrosse, but you can get a completely different experience at one of those than you can, you know, and I not to throw my alma mater under the bus. But Mount St. Mary's, there's 1,400 students. I absolutely love my undergrad. I would recommend it to anybody. But maybe 1,400 students, student body is not for you. Like maybe you want to go to a University of Louisville that's got 20,000 or whatever UCLA has. And I think you'd probably be doing yourself a disservice if you dismiss the program based on the level of lacrosse. Now, now if you play D1, you go D1, you have the option. That's fantastic. But I think the numbers bear it out over something I tweeted uh, from the NCAA, I think this past week, about the odds of playing in each division. 
Division three gets higher, but I'm sure just with the amount of programs in MCLA, like there's more kids playing in that division than there probably are in any of the others. And that's that's options. That is options, and those kids are getting phenomenal education and going on to do fantastic things. Yeah, that's great. What I would like to see, and again, what's not happening yet, and I don't know if it could ever happen because it's not totally like for the MCLA and NCLL. When you can't talk to a coach, here, if, if I'm a parent, I'm saying, I want my kid to go to UCLA, and I want him to, I'm going to pay the full fare, whatever I have to. But UCLA isn't an easy school to get into. I would like to sit there and say, hey, does the coach have a little pull to give that little nudge, you know, just to get you in? Mm-hmm. They don't, I don't think they have that pull yet, but I think the more and more this sport grows, you're going to see some more of this, and if it's not on the school's budget to pay for it, they might give a leeway in another thing that's, you know, about helping someone get in. You know, if you're still, a, if you got a 32 ACT and another kid's got a 32 ACT, they might say, hey, you're going to play lacrosse here. That might be the advantage. Hopefully. I hope something like that happens. Um, but as far, I mean, I think, I think Coach McCauley said um, that he started at University of Tampa. Yes. That t- Tampa's a D2 program and a good D2 program. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, what the reason was? He didn't stay there. But this is that's an example. Some he went to a D two program, maybe didn't like it, and said, "I'm going to go back to my hometown, go to my hometown university, and still play lacrosse and 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 love it." Which I think happens to a lot of kids. You know, they don't know what they really want until they go away to college and they go, "Oh, this isn't what I thought." Right. Um, so that's that's another way to look at it. Yeah, and I think uh, within the past couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, I think it was Texas Lacrosse News, and I'll look it up and find it, and I'll make sure I link to, to that as well. But they had published a story from a student who was went to high school in Texas, and I think he went to a lower D1. I, I, it's been a few weeks since I read the story, but he had written basically a recap of why that ended up being a mistake for him because he got there and he wasn't getting the, the playing time he wanted, and then he just felt I think he basically felt burnt out lacrosse. And then he ended up being at a, a school that he really wasn't happy with. So then what do you do? And that's, and I know, and I'm, I'm sure you know, like you're, you're a father. I'm not a father, but I've talked to enough kids that like you can't tell them like, what if lacrosse isn't there? Because in, the, in high school, I think they can't really envision that not being there. I mean, I think we we're all there when we were 16, 18 years old, you're like, oh, this is what it is for the rest of my life. You just can't imagine anything <laughs> beyond what's right there in front of you. So I, I think, but it, I, I've seen many stories, and I think, like, I know Ty Zanders was inside lacrosse. I think he now tracks the transfers, like how many students are transferring from programs. So that's telling me, like, players are committing to these programs, and maybe they think that's what they want. Maybe it's because it's it's a D1 program and just that, that sexiness of going D1. But then they get there and they find out, like, oh, maybe this isn't right for me. And then they go somewhere else. And they have been extraordinarily happy. I mean, we've talked about programs like Tufts before where you, know, you can go there and you can play a high level of lacrosse, get a great education, and you, you just love being there. And I'm a big advocate on go where you're going to be happy if lacrosse did not exist. Go and get your education, and if lacrosse is there and you can play it, then it's really not going to matter if you're playing it at University of Syracuse or University of Louisville. If you love lacrosse, like if you're just happy to play it and you're getting a great education, you're happy at Louisville. Maybe you're not, you know, it's 
I'll get off my soapbox for, no. <laughs> for the minute, but that's kind of one of my big beliefs. Well, the other thing about D1, D1, your life is lacrosse. Uh, speaking with a coach about it, he said, do you wake up talking about lacrosse? Do you wake up thinking about lacrosse? Do you wake up getting up in the morning and working out? He's like, you have to ask those questions because if the answer is no, you're going to hate it. Yeah. Because your life, you don't have freedom. You, you, are, you are there to play lacrosse. Um, he's, one of the things was like, oh, you want to go junior year abroad? He goes, you can go junior year abroad. You just won't be on the lacrosse team anymore. Yeah. I mean, he's like, the coach is going to, he's like, so there's, there's the way. There are kids who literally love to, they have a stick in their hand 24 hours a day. They eat, drink, and sleep it. And they're great. And that's what Division One is. If you have a question about it, D3 might be good. D2 might be good. MCLA might be good. So there is a spot for anybody, which is, which is the whole point of this, this episode, is to uh, maybe parents listening or kids listening that it, it sounds great to say, I play D1, but you know, in 10 years, you're going to sit there and say, you're going to hear stories of other kids who might have gone to a college who would have gone to them and like, oh, I sort of missed out on that because I went to this school. So when you say that, pick the college you want, and then if lacrosse wasn't there, that's, that's fantastic advice. Back when I was working with ESPN, I did a series of uh, interviews with D1 coaches, and I think you kind of hit on it a little bit, but one of the questions that I asked all the coaches was self-awareness because it's one of those things, like, I think we, like, a lot of us struggle with being self-aware as far as, like, what do I really want out of whatever? And for the purpose of this story was I was coming from high school football background for years before I started covering across. I covered high school football and a lot of kids at that time, Florida was the powerhouse in college football. And every kid from Maryland, you ask them like, what's your dream? Like what schools do you want to go to university of Florida and Florida state were always one of the, two of the top three programs they mentioned. But we knew well enough, like, man, you're, you're not going to Florida. Like, Florida may take one kid. Oh, when Joe Hayden went to University of Florida, like, I think that kind of opened people's eyes. They thought, like, oh, now they're recruiting kids out of Florida. Like, no, they recruited Joe Hayden. He's in the NFL now. Like, he's, right. a, he's a special case. Like, the floodgates are not all of a sudden open. But, and it's not unique to, uh, to football by any means. So, I was coming from that background, so I asked, uh, it was Kevin Corrigan at Notre Dame, Matt Kerrick at Jacksonville, Dave Petramal at Hopkins, and Bill Turney at the University of Denver. Like, how do you determine what level of lacrosse you're best suited to play? And Coach Tierney was probably my favorite quote, and I think I posted this on Instagram and Twitter a few weeks ago, but it's worth reiterating here. And here's his exact quote. They need to recognize and be honest. They have 20 letters from Division three schools and one from a lower Division one school. They have to look in the mirror and realize they may be a Division three player. One thing kids always forget is that we're always recruiting. So I think that was kind of one of those things like coach realized like they're not necessarily hung up on the ones like on you as your specific player. Like they're looking at you know, three or four guys whenever they're recruiting for, you know, if they need an attack position, they're not looking at one kid. They're looking at three or four because they're keeping their options open. Like they're not going to get themselves tied into one kid and then be left in the dark whenever that kid decides to go somewhere else, they're going to have their options open. So I think it's worth, like, for the athletes like and the parents, like, keep your options open. Like, see where, who's recruiting you, and maybe you do want to go D1, but if you're getting more interest out of D3, it, like Coach Tierney said, like, 
you may just have to step, take a step back and be honest with yourself and be like, maybe this is where I'm supposed to fit and where I'm supposed to be. Absolutely. That's again. And I will say, I think a lot of the D one dream, I think a lot comes from parents. And again, I'm a parent. I've been around parents. I've been around parents when the kids were nine. I mean, this is my son was nine. There was a kid who was 10, who to this day, I still think is fantastic. He should be going D1. His parents thought he was going D1 at 10. And I always joked, I'm like, how can you tell a 10-year-old he's going to go to D1? I think he's probably going D1. We'll know pretty darn soon. But every parent was talking about, oh, my kid's going to go D1, 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 D1. I'm like, you know, you don't get full rides. And, you know, is that the best thing in the world you want? I, I mean, I can see how they get caught up in it. And then and it, and it manifests with the kids and it might be doing them a disservice. And I, I do think that would I like my kid to be great and to be, to be great enough to be a D one player. Sure. Would I be upset with him because he's not, no, not, not one bit. I want him to enjoy his life. I like the competition level of, of lacrosse. I like the competition. It teaches you life lessons. That's my, my back. But yeah, if he wants to go to the highest level, he has to work for it. I know he doesn't work hard enough right now. So I said, okay, I, you, you know, if he, if I have to ask him to practice, that's not a D one athlete, right? You know, because the D one kid is out there working. The kid I was talking about at 10 years old, whose parents thought he was a D one player was also the hardest worker. He was by far the best kid on the team and was the hardest worker was always leading in the laps. He ran, he slept with his stick. That's a D one type <laughs> player. My son doesn't sleep with a stick, you know, and the other thing I keep saying is uh, uh, saying I've seen over and over and over on Twitter lately is if the only thing your son improved on over the off season is Fortnite, uh, <laughs> he's not doing his team a service, but that's, the, that's, you know, the whole thing. If Fortnite is more important than lacrosse, odds are you're not going to be a D one player. Right. So uh, take it for what it is, but you could still love to play the game. I would have played hockey. Anywhere they would have let me if I could have played in college. Yeah. Anywhere. Anywhere. I would have done it anyway. Oh, I get, to, I, I get to wear a uniform. I get to be a part of this thing. I get to be a team. I, I didn't have that option. So that's, that's the thing when you see a, a program like Louisville or University of Indiana or the Arizonas or all these majors. Clemson. Clemson's got a, a, a great MCLA team. I mean, these are, these are you could do this yeah. and play it. So that's, you know, that's the thing you want more, more kids to understand. And I, I think that's kind of one of those things, like if you're, if, if you're interested, if you want that big school atmosphere and, but maybe like, and again, I'll just use Mount St. Mary's again, because that's where I went. And again, I love the place, but like, maybe you're getting recruited by Mount St. Mary's, but you want a university of Clemson atmosphere. Like you want to see a football team play for a national championship, or you want that kind of, you, know, you want to go into a stadium with a hundred thousand people like the university of Michigan. and hear the roar of the crowd like you're, you're not going to get that at a mount st mary so you kind of have to realize like what do you want again outside of lacrosse or even with lacrosse if you want something if you want to have a, a broader college experience you kind of got to look at the school as a whole and see where you're going and decide like all right you know this is kind of what i want and sometimes it's one of those things like kids go to a big high school and maybe they don't want that big atmosphere and like i want to go somewhere small and so you you kind of got to figure out where you fit and again that self-awareness of like where am i going to be happiest and what's going to make me happy right i mean my son goes to a school with 5500 kids and he's you know and we were looking at d3 schools and certainly he's like there's 950 students there 
He's like, I don't, he's like, I don't think I could do that. I'm like, this is the choice. I, and I tell him wherever you can get in one of his old coaches who played at Notre Dame played lacrosse at Notre Dame. He told Michael, my son, he said, you could make any team in division one walking on. If you work as hard as you work, they're of course going to like somebody who could use lefty and righty and push their great players. He goes, so pick the school you want to go to first and then try to get on the team. I know two kids from this. Uh, I know one kid from Carmel a couple years ago who played at, who played lacrosse at Carmel, went to Duke because he was brilliant. I mean, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, he was brilliant and walked on the team and played on the Duke lacrosse team. Now, I don't know if he played in any games, but he was on the team and that was something he wanted. And that's it. Some people just like to say, I'm on Duke. Other kids say I scored 20 goals in, you know, this D3, D2, MCLA. There's a different level. Right. Um, and that's what's, that's what the great opportunity about this sport is. I, I don't want to leave everybody here thinking like, oh, you know, kind of almost like, well, you guys talked about a lot and keeping options open, but I have no idea to figure out where I fit. And I'm going to go back to that article and I'm going to republish this article um, here soon. Actually, that's why I have it in front of me. But it was, I talked to, when I was talking to Kevin Corrigan, who's in Notre Dame, he, his recommendation, like, how do you figure out where you're going to play? And his recommendation was, like, you start sending tape out to coaches. He said tape. Obviously, this means YouTube <laughs> nowadays. I, I, don't, I don't think he actually meant tape when we interviewed it because the article is not that old. But you start sending film out to, to D1 coaches. Like, you, you send it out to three of the D1 programs you're interested in. You send out the top 20 programs in D3. But then you wait and you see what kind of response you get. His quote was like, no one is going to tell you exactly where you fit because it's a hard thing to know. That lacrosse recruiting is an inexact science. So I think when you start sending the film out to coaches and you start to get the response back, that should kind of start to tell you where you fit. Like if you're starting to hear from a lot of D2 guys, maybe you, that's where you want to focus. Like, all right, so, you know, I got response from these number of D2 guys. Maybe I'll start sending it out to more D2 schools to see what kind of interest and see what my options are there. Yeah, I mean, and you know, you, I, you don't want to shatter a kid's dream either. There are kids who've been told you're not good enough to make it. You're not good enough to make it, and they make it, and they're great. Uh, you know, I think Rob Pinnell had to go did a PG year and then went to a different college before going to Cornell. That's the type of stuff that drives them, and now arguably the best player in the world. Right. Um, so you don't want to if, if you're a kid and you say I'm doing this and you've got the guts, go for it. Go for it. I would never, you know, ne never tell them that. But there was another uh, another thing that I talked about in my very first article I wrote was if you're a kid who's looking to play at the next level after high school, odds are you're on a travel team. Your high school coach's job is to win high school games. That's his job. You're on a team. You're part of the team. Your job is to win. If he happens to have some connections to college coaches, that's a plus. That's a bonus. But most of them don't. So that's it. But you're but your travel program, you're paying good money for the travel program, and that is the your place where you should probably be getting usually, the most honest. I know from my experience, a lot of them have played either college, major college, or pro lacrosse, or, you know, both. And they can be completely honest. You shouldn't be looking at this school. This is your niche. And it might hurt the kid's feeling. It might hurt the parent's feeling. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. And I know a lot of other parents appreciate it because they say, this is where they think you could fit in. 
This is the thing. We'll talk to these coaches. We'll, we'll get this. I think that's the, uh, a helper as well because these are the guys who get paid to watch you. They're getting paid, and they're watching you, and they're coaching you, and they can give you an honest assessment. Like I said, there's an outlier everywhere. There might be the kid who might not be great as a junior and not get looked at, and as a senior, he might do a PG year and go somewhere else and then be great. But let's talk about the, as a whole. So I think a lot is the travel coaches, they, I, most of them I've ever met, they will be very honest with you, especially in the college when it's high school age. Younger, you know, doing the youth lacrosse, sometimes it can be a money grab, sometimes not. Mm -hmm. I, I'll never fault anyone for making money. I'm never going to blame any parent for paying money. I've done it. You know, it's not about lacrosse. It's about having my son doing this, my daughter doing this, whatever. Uh, but I think at that level, you're going to see the travel coaches in the, at the high school age, they could also be a pretty good uh, indicator and a guide to where, what your expectations could be. Yeah. And I think before we wrap up, I, I, I can't let this go since I'm sitting in Chicago right now. Um, you talk about the guys who get motivated by perceived failures. Um, I think Michael Jordan is one everybody holds up as, you know, that, that person who gets motivated. He was cut as a high school freshman from his basketball team. The rest is history. <laughs> so, right. Just because someone tells you doesn't mean it's written in stone. But I think it also comes back to, like, who are you? Like, I'm sure getting cut from his high school basketball team turned Michael Jordan the type of player he became. He was just motivated, and I'm sure he worked his tail off to improve and get better after that. And that's just something you got to know. It's something you got to know about yourself. Are you willing the kid that's willing to sleep with a stick and put in that work, get up before school and hit the wall and do all the things you got to do? Or would you rather play Fortnite for a couple hours when you finish your homework? <laughs> it's really, and I'm, and trust me, I'm not judging. I sit around and play Xbox for about an hour and chat with some buddies, usually a couple times a week. Not going to fall, you know, so I'm not going to judge that, but it's just like, yeah, that's what you, that's what you enjoy doing, then go for it. But just realize that that's probably going to take away from something else because there's someone out there while you're playing Fortnite that is doing the work because they want to play D1 more than they want to do anything else. Yeah, I, I could, a funny, you're saying you're in Chicago, a funny thing right now is my son right now just went over to a friend's house where he was working out with three D1 players. And then he just came home and he got on his PlayStation and he's <laughs> playing and he's playing Call of Duty. Now, fortunately, he is playing with those three kids who are going D1 <laughs> right now. Uh, so they are also doing it. But I, you know, but he went over there to work out and I said, you got to follow this workout with him. But I thought it was funny, like the Fortnite, the, the D1, they're Culver kids. They're all Culver kids that he was just with. So okay. uh, it was pretty funny that he just, I just walked in the door. <laughs> all right. So I think we're, we're getting close to an hour here. So Mike, as we usually wrap up the show, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you could email me at mward at laxrecords.com or you could uh, t find me at Twitter at MFWCHI, MFWSHI. Uh, short for chicago when i made that a long time ago and again as people who've been following i'm going to answer i'll talk to you you can dm me you can email me uh and i'll engage with you all right and for me you can find me at lax records on twitter and instagram facebook.com slash lax records and of course laxrecords.com everybody have a great week Hey, Tanner, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you?
I'm doing well. We're just waiting on, on Mike. Oh, actually, he disconnected. Yes, yes I'm hey, on here. How you doing? Good. Hey, Tanner, before we go too far, um, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Demling. Demling? Okay. That's what I thought, but I always like yeah. to be sure. Okay. And um, how do you want to be referenced? Founder, editor, publisher, lacrosse book? Like, what, what do you... Uh, you can just say founder, I guess. Founder of Lacrosse Bucket. It's lacrossebucket.com, right? Yeah. Okay. And you focus primarily on Kentucky? Uh, yeah. You also do some, like, NLL and... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Major League Lacrosse, though. Mm-hmm. I would just say professional lacrosse since yeah. there's too many leagues. I don't need to name them all. <laughs> All right, so you both uh, checked the, the document. Everybody's good with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, Tanner, I'm going to leave it up to you. Like, do you, do you want to hang on after we kind of talk Kentucky and Tennessee, or do you want to hop off, or what are you thinking you want to do? Uh, yeah, I can hang on. You can hang on? Okay, so we'll just all, all kind of chat. Um, Mike, I'm gonna, I'll let you kind of lead, because um, I know you've been talking to a lot of coaches, so I'll kind of let you <clears throat> lead a little bit with um, – the teams and areas and any players that you want to talk about from the Midwest. And I'll just kind of chime in with some other like national stuff as we kind of go along um, where, where it fits. Well, mostly. you know what? Can you hear me? I, I don't hear myself. So do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I want to talk specifically about as many players uh, right now. Okay. Let, you got my article I sent you, right? Did you read it? Yes. Yes, okay. I did. Right. Uh, uh, to the point where there's pe- like, like I was going to drive to Ohio and have a chat with, with somebody. <laughs> okay. I'm not even kidding. Not literally. There was, it was, I knew who the dad was and I said, I'm, I'm coming there. Uh, so there's, there's way too much fighting about this. I mean, I just talked to the two coaches in Ohio and they rattled off who some of the parents were. Okay. And I didn't yeah. even mention it. So I don't yeah. know if I want to talk about players. Actually, I don't Ohio, they're they're they they've they've really shown what a lot of people have said. But on the other hand, their coaches have been the most forthright coaches that I've dealt with. Well, Great coaches that, to talk to. If you don't want to talk about players, that's fine because I actually have a couple players in a few of those states, and I can include kind of Missouri and Kansas in there too, because there's just some players that have some uh national milestones coming up in oh, some great. of those areas. So great. if you if you want to talk just teams and kind of more general about what your um the information you've gotten so far, just kind of generalize and then I can kind of highlight some of the players that because you can't really argue with the stats. So I don't right. really need well, to justify why I'm talking about those guys. You could actually you'd be shocked at how they're gonna argue about the stats because then they oh, start yeah. saying this team it. is garbage. <laughs> I mean yes. They I had play a garbage schedule. If right. they played this schedule, right. they wouldn't put up those points. Yeah, I've heard them. I, I, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> heard them one, all. One, one of the people came and was sending me messages telling me how bad <laughs> MICDS is. They're terrible. Yeah. They're overranked. They're, our, our travel team beats their travel team, and I'm thinking, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, just, just look at the players and where they go. Okay. and. You know, stats don't need to tell you, but, but it's it's been unhinged. It's sort of it's sort of crazy. I mean, it's, it's 
I've seen it on in, on the internet a lot about everything, but this is really, yeah. really good stuff. But there's a lot of other people who have just given me their list of, you know, their best teams <laughs> and dark horses and and all this stuff. So I like to get a kick out of that. But I like I said, yeah. I'm not going to rank teams. Yeah, until, that, they, until they play each other. Yeah. <laughs> And that's right. And Tanner, I'm sure you probably heard a lot of this too in your line yeah. of work. That, you know, it's kind of one of those things like, Mike, you're kind of discovering what I learned a long time ago. And you got thicker skin than I do. So it probably rolls off your back a little bit more than it did, did mine early on. But yeah, people, yeah. I, it, it's, it gets funny to listen mm-hmm. to the arguments people make. Like, I, I used to, it, Tanner, I don't know if you do team rankings, but I used to rank, like, we, I used to uh, pretty yeah. much let, and I still do pretty much let the result on the field dictate. Mm-hmm. Like, so, um, you know, if uh, Trinity beats Mayo, I'd rank them ahead of, you know, uh, ahead yeah. of them. But then yeah. people would be like, well, you know, we were missing our star player mm-hmm. and it was rain and the field was muddy and our coach, caught, you know, blew, and the referees fucked us. Like, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. you, know, you get yeah, the, exactly. you get the whole litany of excuses uh-huh. as to why, you know, like, a- yeah, they won by seven, but somebody. do what? Every week last year when I did that, I had at least one person complain. Yeah. It's, uh, it get you know, you, you just kind of, oh, at some point, mm-hmm. you're just like, all right. Yeah, okay. I don't really care about it, it, it until somebody yeah. says something about me. Like yeah. the guy said, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, oh, I guess the, I guess the 100 Long Island high school games I've gone and see, the 50 games I've seen in the MIAA in the last 20 years, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, playing in New York, playing there. But And then I said, I guess we don't know what we're talking about. Here's a picture. Here's your son. That lacks records <laughs> as a player to watch, and I sent him a screenshot of it. I go, I yeah. guess I didn't. I go, I didn't get that from Ty Zander. That was the other thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just parroting what Ty Zander says. And inside lacrosse, I'm like, I don't even read it. Yeah. <laughs> some some people just have a chip. So oh, it's yeah. just right. uh, yeah. I got, unfortunately comes with the territory. It's mm-hmm. I, I, for fortunate. Like I get way more people that are positive <clears throat> than negative. For whatever reason, I think human nature—we just tend to focus on those one or two negative ones because they speak the loudest. They're—they're they're the ones that are out there, you know. The people that are happy and they—they they read it and they go on with their life, and they don't. You know, they don't oh no, this was about thirty different people. Oh, okay. And they were all from Ohio. Oh, wow. a couple from Michigan. A couple from Michigan. A couple brother Rice people being upset because of that top five thing I did, which was not even about who I thought was the best because I got heat yesterday from a coach jokingly saying, I don't know how you could put HSC above brother rice. And I said, I didn't, I said HSC won in Indiana. And that was a big milestone. They've never won a championship. I didn't say they were better than brother rice. I don't even think they're one of the top three teams in Indiana, but they won it. So they get their credit. Yeah, they didn't. And I mean, mm-hmm. that was you know they were coaches, but it was fun. Yeah. So I just I, I get a kick out of it. The only reason why I don't want to fight back is because I have your name next to me, where it says you know laxrecords.com, and I don't want to put you in the spot. I would literally, if it was me, it's a different thing. Like I said, <laughs> I ra- I ran for office. I saw how this stuff went. This yeah. this doesn't shock me at all. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh, maybe a later podcast. We can all talk about you know rankings and the fun that we have. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm doing that. That could be that. That's actually fun, right. something I had an idea for years ago because I got a buddy who does soccer rankings and he taught me how to do rankings way back when I started with ESPN in 2008. And you know it, it's funny to 
it, you know, it's not unique to our sport. It's across the, you know, parents are parents, no matter what sport it is. It's, you know, it is what it is. Right. But um, we'll <clears throat> take a second break here. Uh, it was Tanner Demling, founder of lacrossebucket.com. I'll kind of do yeah. the intro. Uh, kind of towards the end, um, Tanner, we usually tell everybody where um, you can find it. So, like, okay. Instagram, Twitter, yeah. like, you can have all that kind of stuff. Obviously, your website, okay. too. I'll mention that in yeah. the intro, but um, okay. you can mention that stuff, too, as well. So, right. I'll give you a chance to plug your stuff. Mm. And anything you have coming up. I know you did the preview already, but anything else yeah. you have coming up as well. Okay. <clears throat> so, I'll take a break here for a second. Get a drink. Yeah, let me get a drink of water. Actually, <clears throat> yeah, it's always you end up talking for a while, and it's really hard to do when you're when you got a mic in front of your face or hanging from my ear. In my case, yeah, <clears throat> I wanted to get a nice mic. I just was looking at him just to just to have because now I've talked to a couple coaches and I said, "Hey, would you be willing to come on a podcast?" And they're like, "Well." I don't know. I said, they're like, what do you have to do? I go, the same thing we're doing right here, just talking. But <laughs> yeah. you, you just do it with a microphone. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I okay, some, sure. I can give you some recommendations on stuff that I've seen <laughs> and looked up, too, if you're that way you're not going blind into the whole thing. They're not too terribly expensive. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> like yeah. anything else, you can spend more if you want. <laughs> right. Well, I like I like gadgets, so I'll probably, for my house, I, I would probably have the most ridiculous thing in the world for talking on my phone. <laughs> Okay. Just because I like how it looks. I just saw someone with those great microphones with the pad in front of it. And I'm like, oh, that looks cool. <laughs> no one will see it, but in my mind, I think it looks pretty neat. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> All right. Welcome, everyone. Um, today, I got, of course, Michael Ward, uh, as usual, the Midwest contributor for LaxRecords.com. But also today, we have uh, Tanner Demling. He's the founder of LacrosseBucket.com. He focuses primarily on Kentucky, but I know he also does uh, quite a bit with professional lacrosse scene. So, Tanner, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. And, Mike, welcome back as always. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Love being here. So, today, I know it's still pretty early January, and a lot of the states that we're going to be talking about today <clears throat> may not be getting started um, in a few weeks, but it's early January, we got to talk about something. So the 2019 early preview might as well be the place to start. So, um, and I know Tanner, you recently put out your, um, basically Kentucky preview. So let's yep. talk, start there and let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Kentucky with the upcoming season. Cause I know you said that story was very popular. Yep. So, uh, first off, so kind of explain the Kentucky scene for the people who may not know, we have two leagues, the KSLL and the Commonwealth League. The KSLL is basically all the teams in the Louisville area, and the Commonwealth League is pretty much everybody else. Uh, so, in those games, start usually February twenty uh, third. I think is the official start date for the entire state this uh, this year. Okay, and, so pretty getting pretty close. You should yep, be starting yep. practice soon. Mm-hmm. Yep. So who are um, – I know, you know, again, we'll pr- pretend no one has any idea what's going on in Kentucky. So who are yeah. kind of the, the teams to watch? Because I know you did some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the teams to watch uh, are, you know, your traditional powers in Trinity and St. X, um, and then uh, Lexington Catholic and Henry Clay. And then also some teams uh, – 
that are kind of sitting on the bubble this year. Uh, South Oldham is going to have uh, probably the strongest team uh, ever in a Christian Academy. Also uh, looking very promising. And then you also have uh, Frederick Douglass, who they're only in their second year as a school, but they had a very successful uh, season last year. Uh, and they bring back a lot of guys as well. Mm-hmm. So what is it about? Because I know, um, I guess, it, it, Trinity and uh, the, the Louisville area, what makes that, that area so strong? And why does it really seem to be, you know, those, those two teams year in, year out? Uh, well, really, those are uh, so. Those two coaches, uh, Pete Schroeder at Trinity and Scott Howard at Saint are two uh, kind of the founding fathers of lacrosse in Kentucky. Uh, so the lacrosse has been in the Louisville area for the longest and uh, been uh, most accessible to kind of those players at those uh, two schools for the longest, uh, and who obviously have some of the uh, be- better coaching, the best coaching in the state. And do you see the sport growing? Like, I know you said um, Frederick Douglass only going into the second year, but they have a lot of players coming back. Like, how's the sport yeah. kind of growing down there? Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's grown a lot over the past, I'd say, 10 years. And a big part of it is kind of some of these guys that have come down here to play at Bellarmine and are, are staying. Like, there's a, a couple – couple of Canadians that came down here for college, played, and ended up staying and uh, taking high school coaching jobs and uh, starting club programs, running clinics, and uh, things of that nature. Uh, then you also have uh, people from outside areas coming in uh, to coach as well. I know this year at Mail you have uh, Chad Tolliver, who played at Rutgers, uh, just got hired as a new head coach, so he's kind of taken that. Uh, that role on now as an up-and-coming guy here. Yeah, and it's always interesting because I know uh, a couple – I think it was a couple years ago, and I'm going to forget the name, but it was a former Maryland Terrapin took over the program in South Carolina. So mm-hmm. it's always interesting when you see those guys that were high-level college players yeah. take, take over programs. But And I think, Mike, you talked about a guy uh, taking over in Michigan. He used to be a Gilman guy. So you get these guys that are, are going to different states and kind of – spreading the sport and probably bringing maybe a little bit of something to the area that may not have been there before just because of the level of experience that they had and how long they've been playing it and obviously playing it at a high level in college too. They probably learned a few things there. (laughs) Well, you know, everyone's spreading out. Yeah. And the Louisville area, obviously it's a gorgeous area, so I could see why people would want to settle, (laughs) settle in around there. Um, As far as players, because I know, Generally, uh, Kentucky, it's pro- it's not considered one of the, obviously, hotbed states. But I know every year there's always a few guys that end up making a name for themselves out of state, end up going D1. So who are mm-hmm. uh, just a few of the players? And I know we're not going to be able to cover them all, so anybody who thinks yeah. might be leaving someone out. But who are some of the players in the state from your perspective? Uh, so this year we uh, Patrick Anderson, an attackman at San Diego, who has signed uh, with Towson. He's our only Division One guy. Um, this year, but we do have uh, quite a bit of Division Three uh, and Division Two players as well. Siva uh, UT, an attackman and midfielder out of Mayo, uh, is going to Transylvania, which is actually a D3 school here in Lexington. Um, and then also Blake Godwin, defenseman at Trinity, also going to Transylvania. And then uh, uh, Jack uh, Guffley, attackman out of Collegiate, 
going to Division Three Kenyon um, as well. So we have a couple guys going uh, to d- good Division Three and a few Division Two schools, uh, but really only one uh, big time Division One guy this year. Yeah, but I, yeah, like I said, I, me- I remember I can't remember the kid's name, but I remember, it was when I early started coming um, and covering mm-hmm. lacrosse. I think it was Brad Lott. Actually, I think that I think yeah. that was a name. Um, yeah, I think Brad he was a face face off uh, guy out of uh, Trinity. My my yeah. right on that. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing talking yeah. to him because he tried out for a couple of events mm-hmm. down Baltimore, yeah. and he was one of your guys' studs. That was years mm-hmm. ago, going back. Yeah, and then uh, Chase Colello at Denver was a face off guy. Led the NCAA. Uh, he went to Saint X. Yeah, so obviously no shortage of talent coming out of the state. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those, as you kind of covered, like with more coaches and the sport kind of spreading out, I think you only see those yep. numbers increase. Um, mm-hmm. It may be the D2, sure. D3 level to start, but I think as the sport in college grows and, the, and grows in the state and you get those coaches, I think Kentucky is another one of those states like you're going to see a lot more players um, yeah. coming out mm-hmm. being more household names than maybe yep. they are right now. Mm-hmm. Tanner, let me ask you a question. Uh, so Pat – Pat Anderson, was that who you brought up that's going to Towson? Yeah. Uh, Is he the middie or is he an attackman? He's an attackman. Very tall, correct? Yes. Yeah, I've seen him play. I have Mm -hmm. seen him play. He is going to um, open a lot of eyes. There was another kid I think I saw playing with with St. X, Will Hubs. Yes, Will Hubs, yeah. Is he he signed with anybody? Uh, not that I know of. I know he's had, uh, I think Bryant, uh, has reached out in a couple other schools, uh, but I'm not sure, uh, what, if he has any offers at the moment. He's a D1 player. Yeah. I mean, I watched, seeing those two play, they were on a team together. Mm -hmm. I watched them play in the, in the fall and immediately caught my, like they stand up, they stand out. Mm -hmm. I mean, both, it happens that they're both Mm -hmm. very tall. And yeah. and one of them wears all old school gear, which is like a throwback. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. it was a, it, it, everyone was shocked by him. So I th- I think they're both they're both saying X guys, right? Yeah, they're both saying X guys. Right. So I as I've said to other teams that'll be playing saying X up up north, I said, you watch out for these two guys. They are going to yeah. They are going to you're going you're going mm-hmm. to freak out when you see those two. I think yeah. one of them six five, the other six three. I yeah, mean, they the look like men, full out men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, th- those are the guys I look out for now that I've seen. I'm like, I can't wait. To, uh-huh. I can't wait to yeah. watch them play the Ohio teams. Uh, I think they play um, Culver prep. So yeah, I want to see yeah, them. I want to see them go against that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that teams. So that's going to yeah. be great to watch. Yeah. They gave, they gave Culver a run for the money last year as did uh, Trinity. I think it was the closest uh, either of them had been to Culver uh, in terms of the final, uh, final school day. Well, that's and, saying and, something. <laughs> yeah, that's always yeah. saying something whenever you start to play with Cole. And I know they're they, – from what I – what I've did a little bit of research that I've done so far for my uh, season preview and just a couple people I've talked to, Culver's looking like they might be the preseason number one, and they they may be oh, very, yeah. very good this season yes. as well. I mean, they're good every year, but this uh-huh. year may be, may be a special yeah. year for them. Um. You can so, say that almost every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I just I just talked with someone yesterday about Culver, and they said their freshmen and sophomores that they have that might not even be on their prep team yeah. might be the best they've had in years. So the teams coming up mm-hmm. might even be ridiculously good. 
Yeah. yeah, and I guess when I say the, I guess when I refer to it as special, like I remember watching Haverford School. It was years ago, and I can't remember who their their stud was. I was I'm drawing a blank on the name, but they finished um, undefeated for like twenty six and zero, I believe. And their the schedule they rolled through was was impressive. And those are the teams that stand out to me because a lot most teams lose a game or two, like even the great ones, like because those great programs like Culver's not shying away from people. Obviously, they're playing mm-hmm. the best in Kentucky. They're going east, like they're not. I think they play Hill Academy this year, so they're not shying yeah. away from anybody. So every year they're good, but then they get those years where everything just clicks, everything's perfect, and they have the potential rolling off, you know, another 26-27-0 season, which with the schedule that they have, it's like, yeah, they're going to beat a college program if you just put those guys on the <laughs> field with them because they're just that good, that well coached. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but we'll get to Indiana, and I'm sure Culver in a little bit. So I want to stick, stick down in, in Tanner's area. So uh, moving on from Kentucky – uh, I think it was probably was it three months ago, November, October, somewhere around there. I think I, I saw it first broken from you about um, what's going on in Tennessee. So everybody kind of knows now who's paying any attention, but why don't you kind of fill us in? Uh, so the the uh, TSSAA, which is the uh, I think it's Tennessee Scholastic School Athletic Association, uh, the governing body of high school athletics down there, mm-hmm. uh, they voted to – Sanction lacrosse, and it will start in the 2020-21 school year. So first they had uh, at the regional meetings where all the regions met. uh, They were voted on, yes, and then it had to go to the legislative committee, uh, which voted on it back in early December, and uh, it passed. And so Tennessee is now, I believe, the 16th state, uh, something like that, to... Uh, sanctioned high, uh, high school lacrosse. It's obviously, and it's another another big one because I know they've been mm-hmm. working for, I, I've been covering Tennessee. I remember, I think Coach Kemp at McCallie School was one of the first coaches yeah. that I had um, been in contact with when I first started covering mm-hmm. lacrosse. And obviously for years it was McCallie, Memphis University School, and yeah. Montgomery Bell. But I know they've worked to kind of bring a little bit more parity to the state in terms of the public mm-hmm. and private schools. And I think now they mm-hmm. have a private school um, champion and they'll have they have public schools yeah. so I think that I forget how they referred to it last year but I was talking to the yeah. guy I said they're just going to go public private just for simplicity's sake mm-hmm. um, starting yeah. I believe with this season so sanctioning down there is obviously a big deal and that just kind of helps the sport grow and mm-hmm. definitely legitimizes it a lot in a lot of people's eyes makes it a valid mm-hmm. option for, for the kids to play but you know and they're they're another state that every year they get a number of D1 yeah. kids coming out and since I've started covering across that number it seems to be growing um, year over year. Like you just see more and more kids that are kind of household mm-hmm. names coming yeah. out of Tennessee. Yeah. So, yeah. And I thought that was a, a really great story because I think I saw it on your Twitter feed and then yeah. I think it was official like two days later. And then mm-hmm. I got the yeah. email and then I saw it on us lacrosse and everywhere else and that, but I was yeah. like, that stuck out. I was like, that was good. Good job on your part. So yeah, <laughs> good job on doing it. I'm sure it was a fun one to break uh-huh. as well. Yeah. Um, so, Tanner, you're going to hang around for a little bit. We're going to uh, kind of move north a little bit. Mike, I know right. you've been doing uh, a lot of research and fact-finding, um, kind of getting ready for the season. So why don't you kind of kick us off and see uh, where we go? Like, where, where do you want to start? Well, so I reached out to, again, the Midwest is a, it's a very large place. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of teams. But I will say the interest in it is, has been great. So I've been talking with a lot of coaches from every state, uh, a lot of parents from every state, a lot of travel coaches from every state, which has been a giant help. 
you know, because I can't be everywhere. And these are the people who are passionate about it. So they're interested in it. Um, so I would say the two, if we're going to, let's call it the Great Lakes area, but it's not really because Wisconsin's not included, but let's say the, or the, or the Eastern Midwest, like uh, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana. Um, that's where the, my main focus was in the beginning. Um, between Ohio and uh, Michigan, they have just a ton of great teams. I mean, maybe they've been doing it the longest, I would say, in the Midwest. I mean, Illinois has been doing it for a long time, but it wasn't. It, it still might be a two-team race. I mean, if you had to flip a coin every year in Illinois, odds are you say Nutrier or Loyola, and you're going to be right 99% of the time. Uh, and actually, and- I have a I have an interesting note on that because again, I've been doing my, my doing a little bit of research since 2015. Loyola and Nutri have traded championships every year, so Loyola Academy win has been winning the even numbered years, and Nutrier has been winning the odd number years. So a little bit of San Francisco Giants thing. They always seem to win the World Series in mm-hmm. odd number years. So that's that's actually funny. I mean, I, yeah. And and, and and the odd thing about those teams is you see. The, What's happened a bunch is the team who wins in the regular season loses in the championship. Uh, I think I think Dutrier beat Loyola in the regular season last year, and then Loyola beat him in the championship, uh, and it was vice versa the other year. But again, you could say those two almost every year. But you're gonna, you're starting to get more and more teams coming on the West suburb teams, the Naperville area teams, the Glenbard Norths, the Glenbard Wests. Uh, St. Viator has a ton of talent that I know you that you've report, recorded on, reported on uh, mm-hmm. Lake Forest. So, as you know, I'll, I'll say again this year. I think I think Illinois is still a battle of probably Loyola, uh, Loyola Nutrier this year. Uh, I think Loyola has a ton of talent as well as Nutrier. I mean, they have. God, I think between the two of them, probably fifteen D one kids so far. Uh, not to mention D2 or D3. I mean, they're loaded. They're all loaded. Right. Um, both goalies are Division One goalies. Uh, both face-off guys are going D1. I mean, so that's a th- – there's your two specialized positions. Um, St. Viator, I think, has – I would say if I had to put this in order right now, I'd put Loyola, Nutrier, St. Viator, maybe Lake Forest. Don't know if they're coming on. Uh, Naperville North or Glenbrook. Glenbrook uh, West, Glenbard West, I believe. Um, Glenbrook South has talent. So those are all different. Again, it's, it's very early to see. You know, you, you might have a kid who, who didn't play as a sophomore, who matures and is a junior, right. becomes a superstar. Um, yeah. But that's sort of an easy one. And like Indiana, I mean, Indiana right now, and again, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody, but it's almost a four-team race. Uh, Carmel, Cathedral. Culver and HSC, of course, HSC, they, they jumped onto the scene last year by winning the championship. Uh, they had a great youth program um, run by a former Cornell player who just did it the right way and built this program up. And I've seen it from when these kids were young and now it's paying off. Um, so that's great. And now you're seeing it at uh, schools everywhere. Former football schools are starting to pick it up. So the, I don't think dominance is going to last very long at the, from this point out in Indiana as well, because they like to compete. These, the, these schools here like competing. So I think they're all getting better. Yeah. I was going to ask you because, you know, obviously Hamilton Southeastern, that it, well, 
against Hamilton Southeastern Culver Academy championship <clears throat> game. That was the first time in seven years that the title game did not feature Cathedral and Carmel in it. So is that is this going to be the year? And Hamilton Southeastern was the first program that did not start with the letter C to win an Indiana State Championship <laughs> since Zionsville in 2006. That's the, that just kind of yeah. um, So, you know, obviously it's been, you know, kind of a two-team race. Um, and, you know, even going back, because Culver Academy with Posner used to compete for an Indiana State title, and then they went independent, and they obviously have the prep program that does different, and then their varsity program still competes for a state title. So it's a little bit different um, uh, those few years when, the I guess, the Culver Academy program is still – rising to prominence that it is nowadays but is last year's title game do you think that i don't want to say a fluke is that a one-off or are we seeing the shift to somewhere you know to more parity across the state i think it's i don't call it parity across the state i just think there's a few more and i think hsc is 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 forever going to be in the mix um, there it is. It, it's just brought not a whole lot of state, but you know, it is right. uh, more talent. Well, don't see more names in the hat. The, the, what happened is, is, is um, his name is Mark Barudic and um, amongst other coaches, uh, they have taken this, the, their youth program, which is Fisher, Fishers and HSE. It's, it's, which was one high school, which was a giant high school that they split into two Fishers and then HSE. So they, they made one big high school into two smaller ones which Carmel is 5,500 kids kept it as one giant school, which seems to be a bone of contention around here. Um, <laughs> so they all practice as one big program as youth. And then they go to uh, some go to Fisher, some go to HSE and, a, and some go to cathedral. So it's almost like they're split. They're splitting up three ways uh, mm-hmm. in that area, but they have talent and they were well coached and they were taught the fundamentals and you can see it and they're continuing it continuing it still i was just watching some practices the other day they they're doing it the right way so i don't think they're going anywhere and there's a lot of athletic talent there uh they have um some real strong talent i don't know if they're going to win the championship again uh again it's so early you don't know i mean i i watch carmel practice quite often the physical skills on that team is is outrageous they have just so much physical skill it's, it's about putting it together at the right time. Um, right. And then speaking with uh, talking about Culver yesterday uh, and the day before, I think from what, from what I was hearing is that they're going with a whole new sort of routine. Now, this isn't from coaches. This is sort of from outsiders and people who deal with it, that they are not going to have any of their freshmen play on prep. Now, the, some of these freshmen might – theoretically be sophomores, but they're not going right. to put any of the freshmen on there. So they might have the most unbelievable freshman class that can't make prep, but they're going to be playing in the state. And all of a sudden they could be, you know, if you got 15 Canadians who are all playing in Indiana <laughs> as freshmen right. who are actually 16, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm looking forward to it. It should be. And, and I guess they're all going to practice together. So it's going to be, they're playing with prep you know, they'll be practicing. So you got a bunch of kids practicing against the, the best team in the country that could make them very dangerous. And that could make them very dangerous for years to come. I mean, yeah. if that's the way they're going to do it, that could be very scary for the rest of Indiana. Uh, it'll be interesting to see though, for sure. 
Yeah, that'll be that definitely will be interesting to see how that kind of plans pans out um, for the rest of the state because I'm sure you know they just they 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 do it different at Culver. They they built such a fantastic program there. Um, and actually, it was funny because I was I actually had reached out to Pat Kennedy, who used to be the head coach at Episcopal School in Dallas. Um, just kind of trying to get some information out of Texas. And I found out he is now an assistant on Posner staff yes. at Culver Academy. So they are getting a guy who has many, many years of experience as a head coach in Texas and Ohio um, heading to Indiana. And he's going to be an assistant. So I'm looking at that. And I'm like, man, between the talent and the coaching staff at Culver, like they're, they're, I don't know how much better they could really get <laughs> considering how good they are year after year, but they, they, they got they like I said. This all kind of leads me to believe. I think I looked up. They have 19 D1 commits for that prep program, and this could be a very special year for them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, the the funny thing is, to put is too much pressure on them. Right. I don't think they care about it. I don't think they care about pressure. Yeah, they don't. They don't care what I have to say. Right. So posers got they, they got their own level there. The the funny thing is is it just a face off. So one of the reasons why I'll give Culver the was in the championship game last year was their face-off guy, and we have him on our list, Alec Vaccaro. Um, he's fantastic. He, now he's a sophomore. He, he works like nobody works before. He's worked with Greg Gorenlian. Um, he's worked with uh, who is it? Um, Andy Kelly, Kelly from um, Resolute in Ohio. He, I can't think of the name right now. Uh, face-off specialist. He's there, he will probably be the third-string prep face-off guy. Their number one face-off guy is going to Denver. The number two face-off guy is going to Johns Hopkins. And then he's the third. So it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's ridiculous riches they have there. Like, that's, that's as, as crazy as it could be. I mean, uh, that, that's just on prep. And then what do you think coming through the thing? So they're going to be the I, – I find them to be the most intriguing team in Indiana to watch this year. Uh, I have a personal feeling about – Carmel because my son plays at Carmel. He's not on varsity, but he plays at Carmel. Uh, so I watched that. But the most interesting could be this Culver varsity program. If this is, yeah. if they all of a sudden become the newest beast. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, and you know, it, this all kind of this discussion, it just kind of reminds me of when I first started covering lacrosse in Florida, um, because it was basically St. Andrews. And then for a number of years, it was, it was a two team race, St. Andrews and Lake Highland prep. And I know, even years before that, it was basically St. Andrews because they would win every title. And then slowly you've kind of gotten to see like St. Andrews. And a lot of that has had to do with just coaching, like St. Andrews coach that had won all those titles. Like he moved, he went away from that program and the new coach took over. And then like Highland prep, their head coach uh, moved back to New York. So he's not there anymore. So some of the shifting of power has had to do with that. But I think what you're seeing in almost like in Tanner, I think, it'll be interesting to watch Kentucky because obviously yeah. you have St. X and Trinity have been so dominant. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when you start to see those other teams kind of creep in, whether it's because maybe a coaching change or just new blood comes in, as we kind of talked about earlier, come in and then it kind of start to shift the balance of power. So for Indiana, oh, yeah. it's kind of interesting to see you know, a new team won this year. And we won't know for a few more years <laughs> if that really was a shift in the, maybe the power balance, or if it was just, you know, a very special team for one year and, you know, maybe Cathedral and Carmel and Culver are the dominant forces um, for years to come. So it's just something fun to watch, which, Mike, I'm going to lead you into the next one because another state is Michigan that <laughs> has been dominated 
I mean, it, it has been Brother Rice. Like, I know they have several divisions, but Brother Rice is the team that most people probably know and recognize out of Michigan. And up until last year, they had won 15 consecutive championships. That's insane. Which, That's who, just insane. Yeah, with Crazy. The, the only other team that I could find that has uh, surpassed that was Landon out of Maryland. And they won 22 consecutive titles, basically from the start of the program. And not to put an asterisk by it, because obviously Landon's schedule spoke for itself, but they played regular. They didn't have a postseason championship that they had to roll through. Like the for many many years, the regular season you won the regular season, um, which in a lot of people's mind was a playoff, <laughs> like a fifteen sixteen game playoff season. Um, but the regular season winner went, so they didn't have it. And then for a few years, they've shifted back and forth between the regular season championship and then they had a postseason tournament. Um, but they had won 22 consecutive until Prep had finally kind of taken one from them. Um, but, yeah, Brother Rice, 15 consecutive. That snapped last year by Detroit Catholic Central. So I'm going to ask you again, is that any kind of shift or is that just a one-off? Brother Rice will be back next year. Well, I think Brother Rice is in it every year. Uh, now, let's. I've talked to probably 35 different people in, in Michigan. Um, who let's say 80% of them I've talked to were very happy that brother rice lost. I mean, this is not this. I mean, there's no love loss between these, these these teams up there. Um, Yeah. Everybody gets tired. It's the, it's the, they're the Yankees of Michigan. Everybody hates, you just hate seeing them win year after year. Right. Anybody but them. Right. But I mean, uh, Detroit central Catholic has, has talent. And so does Brother Rice. Uh, they just have talent. So it should be very, very interesting. I made a comment to somebody. I said, well, well, now you're the hunted. And they replied to me and said, no, 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 we're still hunting. And I said, oh, that's the, that's the attitude to have. I mean, I, I loved it. But th- there are, I mean, Forest Hill Central, is, is a, uh, they're in the D2, or I don't know how it's broken up. It's by size, I'm guessing, in, as opposed to in Illinois where it's by almost skill. So this is size. So like, I mean, the teams to look out for that I keep hearing besides Detroit Catholic, Detroit Central Catholic and Brother Rice uh, is Heartland, which is, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen them play lacrosse. I've seen them play football. They've got that. They had a very good, I know they had a very good season last year. And every person I've kept saying, watch out for this team, like for the future. Uh, then Rockford and Brighton are other teams that have been brought up, but it's hard to even mention those schools when you have DCC and brother, brother rice. But then in the, in the other, in the other brackets, uh, Forest Hill central, they were loaded. I mean, I saw them in person. They, uh, they put a beat down on Carmel last year. They, I mean, that was, it was in, in Carmel, didn't lose a game and Carmel only lost two Indiana games last year, both to Culver. Um, so that's a, another team. East Grand Rapids competitive team. Cranbrook could be, they have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Detroit country day is the one that, uh, that I look at the most because they did get uh, Chris Garland, new coach um, who I know personally uh, who came from Gilman. I know his coaching style. I know how he, he likes to run a program. Mm-hmm. I can promise you this team will be better just because of the coaching. Not sure of all the talent, uh, but his coaching style, the, the way he gets work out of his players, that should be interesting. Uh, Gross Point, 
uh, North. That's another, that's another team. So again, Michigan and Ohio top to bottom have just a lot of talent. And it's really hard to even say like, who's going to be the best, which it makes for a great season of lacrosse. I mean, they're sort of lucky, you know? Yeah. I mean, you like to see a team win if you're a fan. Do you want to see them win 26, 27 to nothing because the competition they're playing might not be as good? That's, that's not good for the state. That's not good for either team. People in Michigan, teams in Michigan, teams in, in, in Ohio, they have competition. I mean, there are some schools that aren't as good, but they have more that they could battle with. So that's yeah. going to be the one that Michigan and Ohio have, I have to keep the biggest eye on because that's, and that's the, and, and again, you have the most uh, fans who who want to really go for their teams. It's great. I can't wait, yeah. actually, to see their play. Yeah. And so let's kind of shift to Ohio uh, a little bit. Um, so what, what's going on there? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a whole nother. Uh, <laughs> whole nother podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, well, first, there's so much. They, they just have so much talent, and it's so spread out. So you have – Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have three major cities to to go from. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to get a consensus. And there's a lot of so. I mean, if you're looking in the D1 area, uh, Saint Ignatius, Dublin, Kaufman, Moeller, Archbishop <laughs> Moeller, Saint X, uh, seem to be the cream of the crop. Uh, that you know, I keep hearing one school that keep that keeps coming up from all the people that I've talked to. That let's keep an eye out for this team is New Albany. I know mm-hmm. nothing about New Albany. I know nothing about them. Uh, I, 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 I be honest, I didn't even hear of them. But every, every conversation that I've had has been: this team's going to be great. This team's going to be great. This team's going to be great. Keep an eye out on New Albany. That's been in almost every conversation. So I'm like, I have to figure out this new Albany. That's a whole new, mm-hmm. a whole new thing. And then um, for the D2, the uh, <clears throat> sales, I think, has always been one of the top teams. Uh, Columbus, um, the Indian Hill, Ottawa Hill, Chagrin. Those are the smaller programs it's ba- on size. They have – they have D one, two, and three players coming from these schools. I mean, it's it's a it's a wealth of riches for Ohio. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and obviously, it's another one of those, those power states. Um, I think it's another another one of those states. I mean, for for years, it was Upper Arlington. Um, oh, there, had, oh, yeah, Upper they, Arlington's in there too. I mean, let's let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I know they they've had a new coach the last couple of years. So again, you talk about that kind of shift. You know, a, a legendary coach steps away and kind of gives some other teams an opportunity um and you know i'm sure it's one of those things like i I don't know the uh lineage but you know coach wolford i'm sure he probably coached had a couple guys that that probably learned a few things under him that may have gone elsewhere and taught those same lessons and maybe they're winning at other schools in ohio i mean that's just kind of the nature of things guys you coach long enough you're bound to get a couple guys that uh have that same passion and take it other places as well yeah if I can chime in, uh, Coach yeah. Wolford, his uh, his son, uh, I'm not sure if he's still coaching down here, but he uh, lived in Louisville for a while uh, and uh, I think coached at uh, uh, Kentucky Country Day here, uh, I think, last year. I'm not sure if he's still 
uh, coach can know if he's moved back yet. Oh, that's interesting because that'll be uh, maybe one to keep an eye on to see. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, because obviously that's a, a pretty legendary name for, uh-huh. for people oh, in yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Um, and he, he obviously he won won a number of titles. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting to see. I do, I do want to kind of take a minute because I know we're, you know, we're kind of running up here on uh, over 40 minutes now. So we're going to wind it down at some point. But there's a few players that as I've kind of been going through – that have a pretty good shot at reaching kind of some national milestones. Uh, the, the first one, and I've mentioned them before, was Cade Newton out of South Elgin in Illinois. Um, he had a little bit, considering his first two, his freshman and sophomore year, like he didn't have as stellar a junior year um, as those two years, but he just needs 19 points to reach 300 for his career. So that's a, a milestone that I'll be keeping my eye on. And I think South Elgin's about an hour away from my house. So that's probably something I'm going to try to get to earlier in the season rather than later, just because I, I, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to see some of those milestones being scored during the year. Um, but a couple other ones, and there's two guys, um, well, one out of Missouri, one out of Kansas. Um, so we'll start with Griffin freeze out of Shawnee mission East out of Kansas. He needs 47 points to, to hit 300 and he had a 110 point season last year and averaged five and a half points a game. So he's another one I got my eye on. Um, and then a name, most people, probably listening to this will know is Graham Bundy at a MICDS out of St. Louis, Missouri. Um, he just needs 12 to reach 300 and he needs 112 to hit 400. And considering he scored 146 points last season, uh, he's got a pretty good shot at that 112. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put the jinx on the kid uh, into the season because a lot can happen. Um, but uh, barring any injury or anything uh, major, I expect him to be the first player out of that state, out of Missouri, that I'm aware of to score 400 career points. So that's always a big deal whenever you start to get kids that put up those numbers um, over their career because to, to do that generally means you have, um, you're very good early and you've played pretty much at least four years. Um, I've seen a couple kids do it in three. I think Ethan Walker out of Culver Academy, who we talked about earlier, he did it in three years. Um, he didn't play at Culver as a freshman. Um, and that he scored over 400 in his career and obviously has gone on to do great things in college. So that's just a few players um, that I'm aware of. And, oh, actually, nope, I'm missing one out of Michigan. And I'm going to butcher the school's name, so I'm just going to spell it. But it's Dylan Day, and the school is T-E-C-U-M-S-E-H. Tecumseh. There you go. <laughs> um, he needs 17 points just to be the third player in Michigan history to reach 400. Wow. So wow. There's, there's a lot going on um, in the Midwest this season. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, Tanner, I, I will admit, I don't get a whole lot of stats out of Kentucky. Yeah. So if there's any players that you know of, um, feel free to, to let anybody. I know we talked about the D1 players. Yeah. But I don't know if there's yeah. anybody you know of that's kind of putting up some points major points uh, down there no not not a lot of people post uh any stats uh down here so kind of difficult to keep track of all that yeah that'll be interesting and uh, that's one of the things i know um i think it's in tennessee they're in that email that i got i think they're requiring their coaches to use max preps mm-hmm. to yeah. um for scoring and stats and stuff like yeah. that florida is one of those states like i think mm-hmm. with the um dissolution of lax power i think they're using max preps to basically do their state tournament and mm-hmm. kind of doing some of that stuff so and i know north carolina is another one that's using them so it's going to be interesting to see um that's kind of i guess a good advantage for people like yes. us who <laughs> kind of the more information the better mm-hmm. is when the state sport gets sanctioned generally they have a repository of where like all right this is where the stuff needs to go mm-hmm. and this is how we're going to get used so 
anybody in Kentucky who's listening to this, if you want to have send your stats, either <laughs> yes. send them to Tanner or me, uh, preferably both. That way we both know. But uh, it's another one of those, like, obviously take any opportunity for mm-hmm. both the kids and the programs that, that we can get. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just kind of wrap up. Is there anything that I missed that either you guys kind of want to touch on before we wrap up for the day? I, I, I think as far as this conversation goes, we've pretty much touched on what we yeah. need to touch on. I mean, we, there's more podcasts coming. <laughs> yes. I, I don't want anybody, if anybody's thinking about like, oh, you guys didn't talk about New York or Maryland or any of those places or you know, California, like those are coming. Uh, we're obviously just in the beginning part of January. So we're going to definitely be doing some stuff. I, I know um, uh, Lee at a, that runs Florida Lacrosse News, he reached out to me. Uh, I usually do a podcast with him, so I'm sure we'll be doing something with him out of Florida. And we're always trying to get some people on that know what's going on in their area. So look forward to that in the next few weeks. Um, but for now, Tanner, let everybody know where they can find you if they want to reach out to you online. Yeah, so you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Lacrosse Bucket or my personal at Tanner underscore Demo. All right. And Mike, where can they find you? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at MFWCHI. Uh, and you can email me at mward at laxrecords.com. And, you know, people who've emailed me know that I'm going to talk back so you can get a conversation going so feel free and you can find me at lax records on twitter and instagram on facebook at facebook.com slash lax records and obviously laxrecords.com everybody have a great week see ya thanks all right guys i thought that was really good i appreciate it thanks all right. I, yeah, that, that was great it was good to get some uh yeah. hopefully we get some traction with some people in kentucky to kind of give mm-hmm. a little, little bit oh, more yeah. information <laughs> yeah They're and i'll be sending you the base. email for yeah um mm-hmm. i'll be sending you the email probably next week um kind of for the contributor stuff and kind okay. of start to do that and then we'll we'll go from there all right all right have a good one man thanks all right Mike, any, anything uh that we didn't cover that, you know, now that's just me and you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't, I mean, I, I can hammer down on this stuff more. Um, and there's, I, I've got a list of players. Uh, you know what? Telling, talking about players is a lot easier than talking about a team. You know, that's yeah. what I've noticed. There's, there's coaches from other teams who have said, oh, this is a player. This is a player. And I, and, and every player that, I don't think there's been a player that's been mentioned yet to me from anywhere that hasn't been on our, on our, uh, on, on the list for lax records. Well, that's good. Oh, yeah. That's really good. i that, that's impresses me. I mean, I know of a, a sophomore at Lake forest who will be on it, who probably should have been on it. Um, okay. but he, if he continues the way he plays, he'll definitely be on it next year. I mean, he yeah, was going to transfer. Yeah. Right. You know, sophomores it's usually are the hard. Fresh, yeah, yeah, the sophomores are hard because I the list starts with all state, all region, right? And generally, you don't get a lot of freshmen that right. And then know, the other part was really the Under special. Armor. <laughs> yeah, the Under Armour, U.S. Lacrosse All Americans, and again, it's one of those. And I get it; most coaches nominate their upperclassmen because they put in the time. So, like, even if you have a special freshman, sometimes coaches, and I've heard it from parents and other coaches, like mostly parents that. Oh, the coaches don't nominate freshmen and it rubs some people the wrong way. I guess I get it. Cause I'm like, you know, for part of me, it's like, well, you pay your dues like everybody else. That senior that's playing the same position. He paid his dues. 
he gets his all state, you know, nomination, even if maybe the freshman may be better talent wise, but he'll get his time to shine too. So, right. I mean, I think uh, like the funny thing was last year, Tommy Sprates from Indiana. Uh, I don't think he even was mentioned as an all state player. Yeah. He was the best player in the state of Indiana last year. Uh, yeah. He's going to be the best player of the state of Indiana this year. He, I, I think Ivy League schools are looking at him. They always just wondered if he's going to play football or lacrosse. I mean, he's an animal. I, yeah. I, I, sent, I actually sent his tape to Andy Shea. I said, I think he's a 4.0 student. I don't think he's going to play football. He's a lefty cannon because his brother saw the tape and goes, oh, my God, this kid shoots at 100 miles an hour. I go, and, he, and he's not shy. Look yeah. up his look up his highlights. I mean, I think the filming is not great. Tommy Sprays, <laughs> you have him on the list. You know, they keep doing that huddle. You sort of fire away. Uh, yeah. But I got some great info from Coach Dandolfo. Dandolfo Adolfo, hard to say his name oh, from Tufts. Yeah. Uh, me and Andy Shea were back and forth, and I'm waiting on uh, uh, John Tillman and and then Snyder, Coach Snyder from Loyola, reached out. He wants to help me with anything I want to do, talking about recruiting, and oh, he's hooking me up with Corrigan to talk oh, nice. about to talk about recruiting. Actually, I'm probably I think I'm going to meet with them next Saturday. They're he's having some talk somewhere. I was actually shocked. So it's so the things are going good as far as the recruiting are. Like I said, and like you said, this is going to be a lot bigger than one article. Yeah. What 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 do you kind of just so I kind of have an idea because um, maybe I can help guide you as far as like how you want to split it up. Like what? Um, I guess what are you doing? Well, so well, basically what I'm doing right now. I'm asking. Okay, so I'm talking to coaches D one, D two, T three right now. Okay. Um, what are they looking for? Like what separates them? Um, mm-hmm. And from so far, what I've seen is pretty much what I expected is. You know, everyone can be skilled. It's are you a four or five guy who's six feet tall versus a mm-hmm. five nine guy who's not uh, who runs a five oh forty. So mm-hmm. the physical aspect, just like football, makes a big difference, um, and that's that might separate the D one to D two to D three. Right. Uh, there's also the financial aid stuff that I was talking about, where it just keeps getting more money and money. I mean, right? I tried to talk to the coaches. I tried to pit I, the guys from trying yesterday i tried to pin them down and they just were smiling at each other and i'm like okay i'm like listen i'm not wearing a wire i just you know i'm trying to i'm trying to give this to the parents you know i'm trying and they're like well we can't actually he's like we can't actually give you a number until our financial aid packages come out in january and then we could say you can come here for eight thousand dollars or you can come here for twenty four thousand dollars he goes a lot of it is not based on lacrosse he goes, we have some say, but we don't do the money part. Right. Whereas scholarships, there is a number depending on what the coach wants to give you based on the mm-hmm. amount of scholarships. Uh, and the gray area I got from both of them was from one instance, I've heard that if you got a scholarship, a sports scholarship, you couldn't get any other type of funding. So they all want to try to get you. Uh, you have to be as smart as you can so they can get you with grants and financial aid because you can get a better package to go to school. Yeah. Which I knew, but I didn't know it was that extreme. Um, and Coach Dandolfo yesterday, when I asked him, what is your metric for the guy you're looking for? I said, you know, I gave him the size, speed, uh, 
heart, coachability, whatever. And his first reply was grades. Yeah. He said, if I can't get you into school, it doesn't matter how good you are. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that's, that's. And Tufts is one of those, their, their um, academic requirements are probably a little bit more up there. Oh yeah. Well, that whole, maybe, that whole maybe conference. Some other one. Yeah. yeah. So like there, he's definitely going to have, which is even that much more impressive is how he's been able to build that program and the, the dominance that it's been. Um, they're yeah, D1. So. I mean, they're, they're D1 program. I mean, they have, they, there's kids who say, oh, I'm going to go to Yale. Cornell or Tufts. I mean, yeah. they're in that conversation. Um, East Coast kids, if they're not getting in the Ivy League, they're going to the NESCAC, which yeah. I, that's what I try to explain to people in the Midwest. I'm like, do you understand how great it is to get to one of those schools in the NESCAC? I go, it's as competitive as any division. I go, they would, I go, the top four teams in the NESCAC would probably beat the bottom 10 teams in Division One. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's that, you know, and those are the kids that, um, they guess they have they have their eye on the prize. They're like they realize like, all right, lacrosse is fun to play, but then what? Right. Like what do, what do I do after my senior year? It's like, well, if I go to Tufts, there's you know that alumni association. Like, there's going to be people that are go there. If I get a degree from Tufts, that carries weight. So I have immediately set myself apart from some other people that may be going to you know other other schools that. Um, Education-wise, but like people have an expectation, like, oh, if you come out of Tufts with a degree, uh, we know you can do the job, right? <laughs> well, the, the people who do the NESCAC are the blue bloods in 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 Long Island, whose parents played lacrosse, and they're like, yeah, hey, I don't care about you playing at Penn State. I played at Cornell, and look what I'm doing because of the Cornell. It wasn't because of lacrosse, so they right. have the eye. That's what I want to try to educate the people in the Midwest on. You go to if you go to Denison. Over Bellarmine, not to knock Bellarmine, right? Which is Division One. But some kid parents are like, "Oh, my kid plays Division One at Bellarmine, or he plays Division One at Jacksonville." Oh, so you passed up on an education at Denison, which is one of the best liberal arts colleges in the country, yeah. and you can still play lacrosse. That's what yeah. I want to. Uh, the guys yesterday at Tri, they were talking about there's a they have a 99 percent job placement for their graduates in Tri. Okay. That's what it's for. That's what it's about. Yeah, listening, um, this kind of talk, it sounds like it's less of, oh, I'm going to say this, and I'm not sure if it's exactly what I mean, but maybe less about the recruiting um, angle, but more knowing what, let's say knowing what you're getting into. Cause, right, well, that's, yeah. Again, it's one, Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can go to Bellarmine and, and play, but, you know, and again, it kind of ties in like because looking at the scholarship thing and like I keep pushing that one scholarship article that I did a couple years ago um, out because I just I feel like it can't get out there enough because people don't realize like lacrosse only gets 12 and a half scholarships for the team. Right. That's 40 some guys, 30, 40 guys on programs like over spread over, you know, from freshman to senior. It's like 12 and a half scholarships for that many players like you're crazy if you think every one of those guys has a scholarship and no one is getting a full ride. Like maybe when the pals were coming out of college, like maybe like, I don't know. I doubt Casey even got a full scholarship because probably no one wanted to risk it on a high school senior. Like we're not giving them a ride. Like I don't know many guys that would get a full ride and every coach that I've ever asked, but like we've never given one. Right. Like, I've, every they coach, haven't uh, seen the kid that they've been willing to give an entire full scholarship. for. That's what I would like to know what Brendan O'Neill got, because he's the only kid that's had this hype on him for so long that they would say teams were going to give him a full ride. 
I'd be willing to bet he still didn't get one. Either right. Like, since he went, especially now he's going to Duke. Like, there's no way. There's no way he got a full ride to go to Duke. Um, and I don't think he goes to Duke if he was getting a full ride at Penn State. True. Um, right. That's... Like, I, I just don't, I don't think, like, if Penn State had offered him a full ride and Duke had offered him, like, I just don't think he makes that switch. And I would, I just, I don't know it, but I'm just, I'm willing to risk enough to say, that, like, he didn't get a full ride out of there. Because I think Joey Epstein out of Landon, like, I think he committed as a, he was the previous early guy. Right. Um, and he had a lot of hype coming up, and he played at Landon. So, you know, it's one of those, like, coaches knew what they were getting out of a Landon product. Coach Bordley had been there for, 30, you know, 25, 30 years at that point in time. So they knew kind of what they were going to get. Like, all right, we got a Landon product. There's a little bit of a, you know, they're going to know how he was coached. And he didn't get a full ride. Right. So it's like, you think about it, it's just like, all right, you know, it's going to take, like, College coaches are telling me they've never seen the kid that they'd be willing to risk that on. Right. That, and and that's like, what that I, says a lot. And that's, but that was the Terrence, thing I thought with, with, with Brendan O'Neill. I, I mean, I, yeah. my son's played with him and played against him. I've seen him. Yeah. I've seen talked to his parents. He's, uh, he, when I first met him, he was little. He's a monster now. Like, they think yeah. he's going to be like John Grant. Uh, I mean, th- you can't stop him. I'll, I'll wait till when he goes up against the D1 D-pole. But, you know, but still, yeah, there's, there's – what I was shocked was about how they said um, that they don't give – that some of the kid, most of the kids on a lacrosse team aren't, aren't on, ed, uh, aren't on um, a sports scholarship. Right. They, they package it with the financials because it's easier. Yeah. Which I and didn't know. Like, so, that, you know, that's – because you're getting 45000 in educational grants to go to Notre Dame as opposed to 12000 with a sports scholarship. Yeah. And I, I've had parents kind of laugh at me, like, over the years, because I've told them, I was like, you know, you're, you're chasing the D1 dream that I don't think really exists in the sport of lacrosse, because I think people, like, because it, it's so blown up in football and basketball, like National Signing Day and all that stuff. And I think people like that excitement of, like, you know, the kid, like, you sit there with the hats and you make your choice and you go and you get all this money. And, like, it doesn't exist in lacrosse. So... You know, and I think there is there's a mystique to playing D one, but you know it's one of those things like I hear too many kids that they go someplace and then it's not what they thought, and maybe they were chasing it. But like the amount of money that gets spent on travel programs, and that's kind of a world I don't really want to step in because I know enough guys on the club scene that I'm just not willing to. You know, and there's a lot of guys that they coach both. They coach high school, but I'm looking at them like. You, you, I think you said it last week where there's some things out there that are just a money grab, which I think is what parents like you need. Like that would be something I would like to talk about at some point was like, how do you kind of figure out where you should go? Well, that's because exactly. I think there's things I, that, you know, they're, they're a money grab. Like coaches are, they're like, Oh, you know, we're looking to make some money and we know people are desperate enough to do this, that they'll come out for a training camp or a skills clinic or something like that. And chasing the D1 dream is like, man, you know, you'd be better off putting that money in an account and saving it to your kids gets to college and using that because he's probably going to get a $500 book scholarship. <laughs> How many thousands did you spend to send him? Yeah, well, so that's so. OK, so maybe it's not a recruiting thing. So here's the questions I'm asking the co- college coaches. Um, as far as how, the first question I asked and I've got a list of questions. Uh, they've sort of changed for each, you know, because uh-huh. Shay's at, at, at uh, uh, Yale, 
Ivy League has a different way of they they don't give scholarships either. They give mm-hmm. grants, and they have so much money. Right. Um, Tufts is D3, so they don't give scholarships. So asking right. him and Tillman will be different things, and Corrigan will be different things, as a, and then also D2 and D3 coaches. So yeah. the questions are a little tweaked different based on their thing. But it is yeah. – the question is how – the very first question I asked him, how can I get to be on your team? How can – how can one get on your team? What do they have to do? How do they get seen? Especially in a hot, especially non-hotbeds like the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Now, Tillman's had giant success in the Midwest because he came here first. Uh, yeah. Tufts now has three kids going there next year from Loyola Nutrier and uh, um, uh, I think maybe MICDS. So he's got three kids from the Midwest coming next year, and he's got a stud player this year who's a Nutrier graduate. Um, so there is, they are coming, and they've all said, like one coach said, hey, keep an eye out on teams for me if you could tell me someone I should look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, they flat, he came out and said, we know that's a pool we need to start dipping our foot in. Um, yeah. So that's the first question. So I said, how do you get recruited? What do you need to be? Blah, blah. And then I said, does it matter what travel team? Are you looking at a high school team? Like, are you looking at perennial high school powers? Are you looking at what travel team? And I will say this, that Casey was the most upfront when he said, we don't go a lot of places, so you have to come to us. Yeah. So he said, if you're playing on a travel team that isn't coming out here, they're just taking your money. They're not out for you, which I've already known. But to hear a coach say it. And then I asked about, like, the recruiting sites. You know, like, oh, these are recruiting guys. He's like, I never use them. Mm-hmm. He's like, I never use them. He's like, they're just giving me their thing. He said, the most important thing, he goes, and you know what? Come to our prospect days. And I know that's a money grab for them. He goes, but we get to see you in person. Yeah. And then he said, make sure your tape is great. And don't put against, always show who you're playing against. Because you might light it up, but it might be a bunch of, you know, kids who don't know how to play. He's like, yeah. put it against the good teams. Yeah. Which is common sense, but I, I get these films sent to me from parents, and I know the teams they're playing. I'm going, come on! Like I, here, my son's own, my son's own tape. He's playing one team that he had five goals in the first ten minutes of the game. Yeah, and, and I'm like, and I was telling him from the stands in that game, stop scoring. <laughs> I was giving him <laughs> because it was it was almost a shame. Yeah. But it's on his tape because it looks good. But I I knew yeah. it I knew it's bad. So they were saying that. Um, and then that was part and of. I think about- that's a good thing to put in there too, because that's something players need to know. It's like you, you know, because I don't see that. And I, another thing is, you know, stop with the music, man. Right. <laughs> like, you know, well, don't. College they, coaches don't want to hear that. Well, they don't care. <laughs> but here, this was the. They don't care about the music. Yeah. But they said, think of your audience. Your average college coach is between is in his mid thirties to mid forties. He's yeah. like, you're playing music that they don't like. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, th- he's like, play. Other music, mute. Right. That, that TV's on, or the computer's on mute, and it never goes off. <laughs> and you might get thirty seconds to be yeah. watched. So you better have something that's watchable in the first thirty seconds. Some of these terrible tapes that these people send me, you don't even know which kid you're looking at. So yeah. if I don't know what they're looking at, and I've been sent from this, no coach, they're getting a thousand of them. They're not looking. Yeah. So these, so I guess it's it's not so much as recruiting. It's a guess. It's the parent's guide, I, I want to say, it's a parent's guide 
to co- to demystify the college lacrosse process. Yeah, and actually, that's that feels like the area because that's actually something that I've wanted to do for the last couple of years is to kind of write something that would do that. So this could actually end up being something maybe a little bit bigger than even what you were thinking, because this might be something like once you kind of start to put it together um, and maybe this is one like I could create if you're at all familiar with Google Docs, we create something you could drop in there. And this could be something we could kind of tackle together because obviously I've been I've done some of this in the past. Like I have some of this information. It's years old and would need updated. And you're talking to Corrigan. I talked to Corrigan years ago and stuff like that. So this could be one of those things like we end up building out a little bit more. So it may be even more than a series. This may be something we would turn into like a uh, small ebook or something well, like that, that. Like it, something people can have on their, their Kindle. When I was with the names that I've been talking to, uh, I said, like, I literally said to um, Casey, I said, I am about to write. I said, what I'm doing right now. I said, will actually probably become the most definitive book for this because people are willfully ignorant. Yeah. They don't want to hear the truth. They literally don't want to hear the truth. Yeah. Where this is sort of, and he's, and every coach, thank you for what you're doing. I've got, thank you. So that was this, the coaching aspects. Then I'm going to the college or the high school coaches to find out what they do for the player and how the player should come from their end and the travel mm-hmm. coaches and what you're doing for them. So I talked to Garland. He said, I'll sit down for me. He's like, I'll give you my experiences from being at Gilman. My experiences from doing juice cherries, my experience from, from now at Detroit. He's like, so I've got the Maryland look, the travel team look and the, and the um, Midwest Detroit. Yeah. Snyder is going to help me, which is amazing. He's such a dick, but it's amazing. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, I'll tell you. Um, because I know he didn't do it for a while. He screwed a couple of his players yeah. uh, that Maryland, when Maryland were, came to his game and said, why don't I know about this kid? He's like, I'm here to watch two of our players from Maryland who are coming to Maryland. And this kid's the best one on the field. Why isn't he coming to Maryland? And Snyder's yeah. like, Oh, I don't know. And his dad got the kid's dad got furious with him. Uh, yeah. Dowdle, Mark Dowdle, I think his name is. Now he plays football at St. Thomas. Um, okay. But so, and, and I used to give Snyder shit all the time and say, you're Corrigan's kid's godfather. How aren't kids <laughs> going to Notre Dame? Yeah. Well, now they got Najee Taylor. So then I'm talking to the coaches about that. And then uh, Bill uh, Turry from West Islip, uh, which the records at West Islip in New York are absolutely ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, well, him and, Scott had put together right, right. more than two decades of. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so then I want to talk to Bill Turry because his two of his kids went and played pro, went to Duke, not to mention all the kids they've moved from West Islip, his pro yeah. kids who are now college coaches. And then he's got a third son who's at Clemson playing lacrosse right now, who's playing in the MCLA. Mm-hmm. So going from that high school thing. Then it, I want to talk to the MCLA coaches, the NIAA, NIA, NAIA coaches, the MCLL yeah. coaches, because that's a great world. I mean, you have, just for example, Bill Turry's kid, his two older sons went to Duke. They played pro. One's coaching at Lehigh, I believe, and the other one's coaching at Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Their other son is playing at Clemson. 
he's playing in the MCLA, loving it. Yeah. Loving it. So there's the thing parents don't even think about. That, like, they think that's, that's a letdown. And, yeah. And it's not. It, you know, parents are the problem. I'm not going to. I mean, that'll be part. <laughs> parents are the problem. Well, that's a podcast we're we're not willing to touch yet, but right. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, here, I'm the parent. I'm not afraid to say it because it's true. Yeah. We have a kid who is on our varsity team, who is one of your people on the list for players to watch, who didn't play five minutes last year. Yeah. But he, he also made the Under Armour team because he didn't even practice. He didn't even play. He just said, hey, I used to play on the true, the true national team. And he called one of the coaches and they put him on. He didn't play on yeah. the true national team. He's my brother. He's my son's good friend. Yeah. But his dad talks, my son made Under Armour. My son made varsity. He would rather have his son play on Under or be on Under Armour or be on varsity than actually play the game. Yeah. Where my son is like, why would I want to play on varsity if I'm not, if I'm going to sit on the bench? He's like, I'd rather play. He's like, it's about playing. That's, that's the, 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 there's the half and half. So there's where you see that. And then I'm talking to parents and players who went through it. Um, So reaching out to me, Najee Taylor, the kid who is going to Notre Dame, his father reached out to me. I'll tell you everything you want to know. We went through, this, this, actually, every Loyola kid who's going D1, their parents called me. Timmy Hackett was going to Bryant as an eighth grader. Yeah. You know, then that rule came, so they sort of kept it quiet. Cooper Frodzik right. was going to Denver. Now he's going to Harvard. His father reached out to me. Uh, um, Najee's dad reached out to me. Uh, Brooks South, their son, or Brooks South, his dad, Chad, reached out. So they're all going to tell me from the parent angle. Yeah. So there's the coverage. I'm trying to hit every angle. It's it, it, it got bigger and bigger as I kept talking about it. So it's it's a big it's a big thing. So the, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's going to need your sounds, help. <laughs> this sounds like a, a beast of a project. And like, there's I know, um, like I got obviously I've been doing this a while. Like, there's coaches like I it, it, depending on how you'd want to break it up, like. I can, there's a couple college coaches I can talk to some high school coaches. Like I could talk to coach Kelly out of the MIAA. Um, you know, there's a couple co- like in different areas, like guys in Florida. So we could cover enough areas to where you basically get the same store, like different story. Cause there's obviously it's a little bit different in every state. Cause like Florida has different problems than Maryland. And, and it's exactly what Coach Nafalo said. Like, you know, you got to come to us because we're not going to be everywhere. And then some of that has to do with the recruiting budget. Like, I remember talking to a guy at Kenyon um, years ago when I was at uh, uh, an event in High Point, North Carolina. He was like, we have – he's like, we have one coach here. We have – and I think the thing at High Point, there was like three fields or something like that. He's like, we have one coach here, and we have one coach somewhere else. He was like, and that's all we can afford to send out at a time. Right. He's like, so for some of those schools, like – it just becomes a budget and some of the college coaches, like you're going to end up at events that have a proven track history. Like a college coach doesn't necessarily want to risk sending their coach to an event that is not proven because they're paying to do that. And yeah, some of those prospect camps are, can, I mean, I, I don't, I, I guess I tend not to look at them as a money grab because a lot, at least a lot of the coaches that I've talked to, like, yeah, they get it, but also some of them, that's how they end up paying their assistants. 
So, like, that's not, you know, it's like that's they're paying their assistant coaches through some of the camps. Like, they're not necessarily making money just to make money for the program, even though they're, they're just, it's basically putting it back in. But then they're inviting all the other college coaches there as well. And, like, well, if you want to play for North Carolina, if you want to guarantee you're going to be in an event that the UNC coach is at, it's the only the, way to do it. That is, that's the, at the end of the day, because I said this junior, this season coming up for my son, uh, although he's injured, he can't run. It's, it's terrible. Poor kid. I feel oh. bad for him. Uh, this is the summer. So his summer season ends like the first week in July with Juice Cherries. Mm-hmm. If he's feeling good, I'm going to stay out there and be like, let's hit uh, this prospect day, this prospect day. And, I, again, he's not a D1 player, but I'll send him to a D1 camp just so he can see the difference. And see well, how that, there's usually, he hangs. There's usually other coaches. Like it's usually it might be you know you you might send them to Ohio State, but there's probably coaches from other, like in fact I would guarantee there's coaches from other programs. Oh, yeah. there as well. Like there there's going to be a guy from Michigan there, but there's also probably going to be like maybe a D two or D three guy there as well. Because generally, like every camp I've ever been to, it's not just the high point guys there because it's again it's they need to sell it like because those guys want the kids to show up at their camp too because they want to see the guys but they're like well you know if duke and carolina and these other programs are there in addition to you know maybe a tufts or someone like that it's like you know it just adds more value to the camp yeah i like the d you're more likely to get the kids there's the d3 midwest camp which we already went to uh at ohio wesleyan i was shocked at how bad the players were and I'm like, is yeah. this what really with the D3 level playing? Uh, and Michael, my son, got six letters from different coaches afterwards. Uh, you know, College of Wooster. I don't know much about the College of Wooster, but I'm yeah. going. But I'm going to find out about it now. They seem to yeah. really like them. Well, yeah. if a guy likes you, you want to like them. So, uh, right. So those are the things. But yeah, that that's all the encompassing thing. And and all right now, I'm trying to do is get, I guess content mate you know and then yeah put it together that's more your expertise like i in the email i sent to to casey uh you know i said this is my background i gave my background you know what i'm doing now and and then he replied he's like well i love that you're doing this uh you know i was a high school teacher and and i taught journalism and so i replied to him i go well i'm a ham-handed hack writing so now i feel embarrassed you know, <laughs> having you look at my stuff. And he's like, I said, I taught it. I didn't do it. And I said, okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I, you know, so I don't know what I, I didn't like, I talk like I write. Well, let's, let's do this uh, because this sounds like it could be, like I said, I think this could end up being something much larger than probably you ever intended. Um, and, but also a longer term project that would be worth taking the time to kind of get it done. Right. Cause I think, this is something like I've seen books on recruiting and stuff like that um, out there, but you know, a lot of them aren't attached to, you know, a name or a site. It's just kind of almost one of those things I look at. I'm like, you know, some people use them, but I think if we could do something like that, that we could make available on a site, it would, it could be a very huge impact um, to get a lot of notoriety. And it'd be something like people that would, it could be very huge. Game changer um, is what I said. Yes. Game changer. Yes, it could, could be a game changer. And that's so, why I went to the top of the coaching list. Like I said, I'm not settling for a what I called people who knew each coach. And then a guy, another guy is like, oh, do you want to talk to this coach? Do you want to talk to this coach? Do you want to talk to this coach? One guy. And I'm like, I want to talk to all of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> like and, and there's no reason not to. Right. Um, so let me do this for, <clears throat> I will kind of create, um, are you comfortable? Are you familiar with Google Docs? Yeah. My like, wife, my wife, does. my wife is my home okay. editor. So I, okay. I give her stuff and then she'll send it. Okay. Um, so what I'll do is I'll kind of create that drop in whatever you have, just kind of whatever you put together. And that's a document that basically we could work on together. So like, if we want, like if you drop it in, I could start to edit and tweak and then, but that'll give me an idea of what you're working on and the kind of your thought process. And then I can expand on it. So like if I need to go back to a coach and questions or I'll reach out to some other coaches and I can get some information there um, and to kind of add to the pot and then, but we can kind of start to shape it. And I think once to have it shaped, you'll kind of, those will bring out questions that when you're talking to coaches, be like, Oh, I really want to follow this thread or I want to go down this path or like, we don't have, we have a lot on, topic a but we don't have as much on topic b so maybe you want to focus on topic b with you know those coaches or maybe you want to go back to one of the coaches and be like you said this and i want to follow up well they they all <laughs> they all said uh feel free to you know ask any more questions the, gr- the good one that i said to them was tell me if there's anything i missed that you want to get out yeah because i keep telling them i'm also want to be your advocate i want people to know that you might not be able to get out here, but I could, I could somehow be helpful. And they were all like, that, that's wonderful. You know, yeah. especially when you're not doing it with an ulterior motive. Like I'm not asking for money. I'm not trying to sell anything. I, I just said, I do it because I like it and I'm, in, yeah. and I'm interested in it. And then when I gave him sort of my background saying, this is why I've done this stuff because I was a lobbyist and I sold things to people and I took, made a lot of money doing that. But I said, this is free. I'm using that skill for free. Because I'm a parent. Yeah. And I get a lot of people asking me. And I don't want to give them something I don't know. So I'm learning with everybody and else. And I think if that's the that I think that's the angle that can make could make this project <clears throat> unique. Most people write it from like a general like, oh, how to get recruited or how to do this or what the like it's basically from the angle of like we're trying to tell the player how to get recruited. And like, and I think U.S. across does something has a sm- something small, like kind of a parent's handbook or something, but it's very small. But I think kind of doing something like this, where we're getting information from different sources on, but doing it as the parent's guide, and it's going to be somewhat for the player too, like the parent and player guide to like maybe not to, well, for recruiting, but like what you need to know before you know everything starts, kind of thing. Or you know, obviously, that's a rough rough idea, but. Well, that, that's kind of what, from what you're talking, that's kind of what it sounds like. Right. Well, I also it's have kind a, of that. a dad who's going to basically, so I was talking to, about Culver yesterday because I was talking with Anthony Vaccaro, Alec Vaccaro's dad. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I will give you a step-by-step blow-by-blow of Alex recruiting. Yeah. He's like, I get calls already all the time. <clears throat> he was offered a scholarship in eighth grade from Ohio State yeah. before the rule change. Right. Uh so he's like, I will give you a blow by blow and let you know what's going on. I'm like, that's exactly what I want. I'm like, yeah, I said, and that's great. And we, we definitely want those D1 guys to be able to see it. But we also kind of want the kid that maybe chased the D1 dream and maybe passed. Like those would be the harder ones to get. But I think those kids are out there. Like, and that could be something we could make a call. Uh, you know, um, I could reach out to some coaches. And be like, these are the kind of kids we're looking for. Like, maybe the kid that was dead set on playing D1 and ignored other options and didn't make it, 
And, like, I kind of want that kid, like, not the failures, but you want the stories that, like, all right, here's when it, what happens when it doesn't pan out the way you want it to or the way you think it's going to. Because I think those stories are valuable, too. Because Absolutely. People can relate to those because it'd be like, oh, you know, they might be, like, because to be honest, like, there's more kids not going D1 oh, than are. So right. you, see, you, you see yourself in that. <clears throat> right. And it's so also parents have to be honest with themselves. Yeah, I mean, and that's the problem with Midwest. That's the problem with the guy from Ohio telling me his kid's going to Jacksonville. Now, I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know what's going to go on. But he's like, right. we play on Resolute, one of the best teams in the country. And I finally said, you're not even the best team in the Midwest. You're, I, said, you're not, I said, you're not even the best travel team in the Midwest. I said, I don't see your teams ever go out east. I don't see them in yeah. any LF, uh, NLF tournaments. I go, you're just like true. You play these other I said, it's not bad, but don't tell me because your, your travel team beats Promo, which is uh, Andy Kay's team from MICDS, that okay. MICDS stinks. I go, because his real good team is Project Midwest that only plays out east and all their players are going D1. I yeah. Because so, he, he had a complete hard on for MICDS. They're overrated. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So that's – it's all you know what I'm getting at. I, it's just a big. Yeah. It's going to be a big mess until we get it together. I'm I'm still gathering information right now, so it might take uh, a few weeks to. You know, I want to get all the coaches talked to first. Yeah, uh, and I love talking to the D three coaches. I'm so I'm so in love with D three right now uh, because it's just a different attitude when you go to these places. It's just yeah. so not. I mean, they're so. They're great. I mean, the coach of Transylvania couldn't have been nicer. I mean, he was awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's where that Severutzi C- C- is going. That's I talked to Severutzi, C- sent yeah. me all his information from Kentucky. Uh, the, uh, good for him. Like, that's a kid that you want to talk to. You know, he sent me a, an email or a message, and he's like, thank you, sir, for putting this up. Like, he was the most polite kid in the world. I'm like, I, I want nothing but success for this kid. Yeah. So that's a story, like, I'd like to tell. Like, here's how this – he did it because he's not a big kid. Uh, yeah. And he did it. So those are the things. I think there's so much that I, I, I know I'm sounding too excited, and too, but I am. Oh, no. Because it's giving, me a, <laughs> it's giving me a purpose. And again, like I've said to everybody, don't think I'm so magnanimous doing this on my own. I said, I have a, a sophomore in high school who wants to play lacrosse. I don't care what level yeah. he wants to play. If it's MCLA, if it's this, I don't care. But I want to know everything I can know for him and his friends and my friends' friends who are doing this. And then my yeah. daughter, who probably would have the better chance of being a D1 player if she doesn't get hurt like he does because uh, she's just got the different drive than him. But I, yeah. I, want to get, I want to know all this because it's a scary world and college is a very yeah. important thing. So I've, I've, yeah. I've been upfront about that. Like this is also like when I kept saying to the guys yesterday, I kept saying, Okay, now I'm putting my parent hat on. What about this? And then I'm like, okay, now it's just, I'm interviewing you or getting questions. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Just to let you know. Uh, okay. And I'll keep you up to date and send when I'm writing stuff down and like I have scraps of paper everywhere. Like I'm like I'm so okay. dis. <laughs> I'm looking at I have four <laughs> I have four sheets of paper right now with different things just for this podcast we are going through. 
Okay. Good well, let, I, I will put together the Google Doc, and at least maybe that'll give us a place, like one place to put everything in. So, like, you're, you can put your scraps of paper and type them right. into there, and that'll kind of help. And, like, I think that'll help kind of guide the way a little bit. And then just from us talking, like, I've already thought of, like, a couple guys that I can reach out to. And if you got kids that are willing to talk, um, I mean, that's honestly, that's perfect, you know, 20 minute segment on the podcast. Like if we can get a kid to come in and talk and be like this, like about their recruiting process, like, I think that would be great too. Like, cause I know I can get high school coaches and stuff like that, but like if we can get a coach kid that is willing to talk about his recruiting process, like obviously we have to be a little bit careful cause I hate the, I don't, you know, you always run a little bit of, um, Scary when you're talking to a kid to be like, all right, did anybody violate? Any and that's what I've goals? also got. Like, like I was afraid to ask certain questions. I'm like, wait a minute, is this a violation of the rule? You know, and, and the guys yesterday, they're like, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, I'm not wearing a wire. Don't worry. I said, what we're saying is, well, you know, yeah. but I said I and won't do this or this. And it's one of those things. Like, I, I have kind, I no can reach out to the NCAA if we have any questions on certain area. And um, my buddy who uh, he was my professor in college, like he was one of my groomsmen at my wedding. Like he, we, we've put together magazines. He's covered recruiting uh, in football and soccer for years. So he's another guy like I could pull in and be like, Hey, can you look some of this stuff over and let us know? Like if there's anything that sounds shady that maybe be aware of right. as well. So there's definitely like, I wouldn't publish anything that maybe sounded remotely, possible without vetting it through several well that's good because i told all the coaches that before anything actually would become published or printed or quoted i'll run it by them first you know because i I don't know if that's a real writer type thing but i said it's a common decency thing for you i don't want to ever think that something was miscommunicated with us and i put it out that you said it Um, right so yeah that's fine right yeah like i said i I mean i'm not a a writer but yeah, and I'm not, and we're not aiming to do do a hit piece no, on anybody. No, right. So it's not like you know I'm not trying to break you know recruiting violations at Duke. Like, right. You know, it's right. one of those things. I'm like, we're trying to put together a resource guide that people would find valuable. So like, I'm not worried about you know that. So like, yeah, that that's fine. Perfect. Great. Well, we're on the same page then. That's and you know where yep. I'm and you know where my scattered brain mind is at. Yep. Sounds good, man. All right. Great work. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Later.